Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. Hey, uh, welcome. Jump on into that the, was uh, not a very show. convincing Kermit the Frog. No, I wasn't even going to go for it at that moment. Hi ho, Kermit yeah. the Frog here. Yes, you do that. Do there that, boys. We got a uh, Monday show, which is going to be great because Brian Hooker is scheduled to join us in hour two. Very excited. Uh, new book, uh, book Vax versus Unvax. Uh, Let the science speak. Uh, I think he did with Bobby Kennedy. That's coming up. Uh, Mary Tally Bowden, which we tried to have on, who we tried to have on a year ago and had some uh, difficulties. We're going to try to get her by phone. And uh, if you want to check out Breathe MD, that's there too. She's engaged in pushing back on the restrictions on freedom of speech, freedom as a physician to prescribe, ivermectin and other things, and a whole lot more to talk about today on the Robert Scabell Show. So gather around, tell your friends we're about to be on the air. Go to robertscabell.com slash listen for the chat room. And I guess we'll be... Uh, Cranking it up in just a moment there, Super D. You think so? Yeah, I think so. All right, here we go. The Robert Scott Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, y'all, here we go. Robert Scott Bell shows on. Doesn't feel like, tell me why I don't like Mondays. A little boomtown rats to start the day. Uh, I don't mind Mondays. It's just uh, some, it could be a Tuesday. It could be any day when uh, you're just going um, all over the place, all every different direction you can simultaneously. And like, how do you narrowly focus on those days? Ooh, it's a challenge. But we're going to, we're going to attempt to give it our best. And we've got a lot to do on the show today. And so it's going to be a challenge. So if I, uh, Slur my words. I'm not drinking other than I've got my uh, organic yerba mate. Uh, it's got some, uh, de- it's a detox herbal blend and my own organic homegrown peppermint. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, keep me going here and uh, enjoying that um, uh, immensely. Although I was just uh, experimenting over the past few weeks, occasionally making a cup of uh, the bulletproof style coffee my own recipe, a little modification of what he does. And boy, it is so good. I can't drink that every day. It's just too good. It's like one of those things where you think you're think you you're doing something wrong because it tastes so darn good. <laughs> but anyway, just cranking it up here, random acts, random thoughts. And one of my random thoughts to start the broadcast today happens to be that I had a great time taking my kids to see Foreigner, their, their so, so-called farewell tour on Friday. And it, the lover boy was there too in... Uh, Mike Reno has let himself go. I'll just say that. Uh, and I know I met him in the 1980s at a, a charity tennis tournament, along with some other rock stars, so to speak, of the, of the era in Norcross, Georgia. And I remember Mike Reno was fit, athletic. He was hitting trick shots on the tennis court, and I don't think he could do them anymore. And I don't want to pick on him. They did all right, but I'll tell you what, if you get to see Foreigner on this tour, if you, if you at all like Foreigner, and they have a lot of songs you know, it, it, they were tight, man. They were tight. They, it was really impressive, and they sang all their stuff. They they played all their instruments. There was no backing track or anything, I have to say. I was very impressed uh, with the uh, concert. So if you get a chance to see them coming up this week, Kansas, taking the kids back and see Kansas. So I'm just having a good time. It's not like I'm introducing them to the music of my generation. They grew up with it, so they know it. That's why they want to go to these concerts. But it's a sad thing anytime I hear of a a millennial or post-millennial that doesn't know about the great music of the 70s and the 80s. And it's just disappointing. Then I have to look at mom and dad and go, what were you not 
what were you thinking or not thinking? Anyway, that's my harsh critique of parenting right now for the <laughs> millennial and post-millennial generation. Make sure they're doing the good music. Anyway, with that, uh, we got an opening story here at robertscottbell.com. Super Don's uh, got the notes together, and also uh, we've just started a sub stack. I think it's, what is it, the RSB show or it's Ask RSB? You have to tell me about how, where this goes, uh, but some interesting articles about some of the news of the day and our particular slant on it. We'll find out about where that sub stack is. And another Substack you, you definitely want to follow is Dr. James Lyons-Weiler with IPAC. Uh, we have in the uh, show notes now or on the Robert Scott Bell Show page a banner to get you the IPAC-edu.org, another option on real scientific education information, not indoctrination. And I'm so appreciative of Dr. Jack and all that he does, and we have a good time anytime he gets on the show. We'll hopefully get him on soon. But you now can link there to learn all about their upcoming uh, offerings, including one on genetics uh, that will be unlike any other genetics course you've ever taken, if you've ever taken them. And also we have now your Laetrile Health Source, Richardson Nutritional Centers, and you have the RSB code to get a discount. We got you linked up there. And, of course, so so many other things I'll mention as we go through the show today. But first up, the Defender is reporting. Monica Dutcher is writing. Critics are slamming the JAMA Journal, the Journal of the American Medical Association study, claiming 52 U.S. doctors spread COVID misinformation. Critics of the study, and you can see this here, it's linked up at the University of Massachusetts. Uh, researchers took issue with the researchers' definition of misinformation as assertions unsupported by or contradicting U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidance on COVID-19 prevention or treatment. Really, that's all you have to do. Once you realize that that study relied upon a definition of misinformation, basically, if you disagreed with the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which I call the U.S. Centers for Disease Creation and Promotion, if you had all disagreed or slightly altered a view that they had, even though they were wrong time and time and time again and continued to shift the sands, if you will, of what they said was their COVID guideline policy on the injections and the masks and uh, uh, lockdowns, shutdowns, distancing, all of that. The definition in this article, this peer review article by uh, the University of Massachusetts, it, it fails from the word misinformation. Because, again, if your definition of misinformation is relying upon information that you must agree with by the CDC, would anybody argue that that's a legitimate definition of the word misinformation? Seriously, I, I, I know that the, the, the story is maybe more complicated and more complex than that, but I don't need to go further than that. If you tell me how you determine what misinformation was and you say, well, that was easy. We just said if you disagreed with the CDC, it was misinformation. Like 50, these 52 doctors you're calling misinformation deliverers or spreaders, their crime was disagreeing with what the CDC guidelines said? Heck, I mean, we got banned on YouTube for that. Well, actually, they probably were focusing more on the WHO because YouTube's more globalist than nationalistic in any way, even though they originated, I think, as far as I know, in the United States, like a lot of things do. You know, we disagreed with the WHO, out of here, no more on YouTube. Disagreed with the WHO and the CDC, out of here on Spotify, which is kind of weird because you got Joe Rogan on there being paid $100 million, apparently. 
and they couldn't get rid of him, I guess. So they didn't pay me a thing. So they're like, yeah, get rid of him. We don't want another voice questioning the WHO and or the CDC, much less the FDA, the Biden administration, anybody else. Fauci? Yeah, him too. So you could expand the definition of misinformation to if you disagree with any of those things I just mentioned. And, and, and where else do we go from here? Well, we have been banned on, I have been banned on LinkedIn. We used to be able to broadcast live on LinkedIn. LinkedIn was a, just a, a, like a peer-to-peer resource in terms of if you want to find a job, you want to connect with professionals and all of that. And they're like, oh, no, we can't have Robert Scott Bell Show broadcasting to LinkedIn. He disagrees with the CDC. So I guess, you know, they should have included me in this article. They said 50 of the doctors that they uh, referenced uh, were licensed. Two of them were unlicensed. And... I'm just, again, I'm not impressed with anybody that believes that misinformation is information not approved by any government anywhere. I mean, I expand that definition and go, all right, your definition of misinformation is if it doesn't go through uh, government censors for approval. M- many of you uh, probably have never experienced that direct censorship. What is the first casualty in war? The truth, right? You've heard of that? Go back in, in uh, what was that that movie? Good Morning Vietnam was that, was that name of the movie with uh, Robin Williams, and he was playing Adrian Cronauer, the uh, uh, DJ disc jockey guy, and he obviously got in a lot of trouble. And it was a great um, platform for Robin Williams' talent, obviously that movie. But there was a certain point where you you got to see the government censors, you know, they're these telex machines and they're crossing things out. You can't say that, can't tell anybody what's really happening, and so all he could do is talk about the weather, <laughs> that kind of thing, and so. The greatest and initial first casualty of any war is the truth. Would you call the war we've just been through the three years of of COVID a war on COVID or a war on freedom of speech? Would you call those three years of war a war on COVID or a war on your freedom as a physician to prescribe things like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, or even to advise certain patients that you felt it wasn't in their best interest to get the experimental emergency use authorization injection. So was it a war on COVID or was it a war on your freedom to travel without a mask, without being jabbed, your freedom to go into stores without proof of I got the injection? So was that a war on COVID or a war on your freedom? The claims of spreaders of misinformation and disinformation are now malinformation. These claims are made by desperate people in search of totalitarian power over all the people of planet Earth or whatever they can claim jurisdiction over. And the question I have for you is, are you acquiescing to their claims of jurisdiction over you? We just heard uh, over the weekend uh, Alex Jones is claiming that he has sources in TSA saying they are it's a done deal. They're already planning on this in the fall, October, November, whatever it is. They're going to reinitialize mandatory masking. They're trying to lock down based on a Canadian variant of a synthetic, what, what we call a, a genetic uh, sequence, an amino acid sequence corresponding to perhaps snake venom peptides, as we've talked about, the plasmid structures being engineered to bring toxic poison proteins into your life, into your body, or if you don't 
If you're not vulnerable to the exposure alone, can we get it injected in some way and alter DNA protein synthesis via mRNA? Can we, can you fall for that some more? Will you fall for it? Will you fall for the masking thing again, if it happens? I, I, I'd like to think that the people of America in particular, much less Canada and Britain and Australia, New Zealand, much less uh, other countries in Europe that now know that there is no mask unless you're wearing a hermetically sealed uh, self-contained breathing apparatus unit. You have no way to prevent the exposure to what they call, what they'd like you to believe are now engineered gain of function, so-called viruses, or I would call them even spike proteins that are toxic engineered by your own body after being injected and then directed to your DNA to, to make them, that those things are, uh, if, I, if my memory serves correct, they claim the virus is 120 nanometers, and bear with me if you don't believe in the virus, just whatever it is, 120 nanometers, and then the spike protein on it, engineered on it apparently, 10 nanometers? Now tell me which mask filters out something that small or those things that small. I, 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 I'm not sure. Again, actually, I'll suddenly back that statement up. I am sure. You don't have an ability to go out and buy a mask from the gr drugstore or have it prescribed to you by a doctor that will protect you from breathing in things that small. Just that's, you want to call it physics, you want to call it chemistry, you want to call it a ruler and a measuring stick. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to try to do this again with masking. Are you going to fall for it? I hope not. And if you want to breathe, you might want to talk to this doctor we've got on. I'd say for the second time, or so, I'm going to say the first and a half time, because the first time we had some problems with the connection, but Super Don made sure we got, got her this time. We talk about, uh, a phone connection, believe it or not, some kind of phone connection to get her on. Dr. Mary Tally Bowden, breathemd.org. And she's been at the center of some of these battles for doctors having normally the privileges to write prescriptions for use of drugs off-label throughout the history of a lot of modern medicine. That's been the case. And suddenly under COVID, they're like, uh-uh, we can't have you do COVID. We can't have you do COVID treatments that we don't approve of. Doctors can prescribe ivermectin for COVID-19, according to an FDA lawyer. Is that good news, bad news, neutral news to you? We'll learn about that ivermectin is, in fact, approved for human use and has been. Right through COVID, when you were hearing from the liberal media telling you that it's horse-paced and Joe Rogan is a spreader of misinformation for actually taking it. What are you, a horse? Right? Funny joke, that was. Clearly, it's been more successful than anything the CDC has promoted, FDA or Fauci has promoted. And then as you acknowledge that the, uh, the licensed doctors always had these privileges to do that, and even now I think the FDA has to admit that they do, there's still an article from Newsbacks going, the FDA, tweet, tweet, called, the FDA has just put out a tweet or an X tweet, whatever it's called, saying the FDA, we haven't approved ivermectin for COVID. At the same time, we're like, well, yeah, we know you can uh, you can prescribe it, but uh, we haven't approved it. But we never said you couldn't take it. Really? Is this where they're going now? Again, who are the purveyors of misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation? Those within the FDA, the CDC, the WHO, the NIH, NIAID under Fauci, 
And now whoever the stooge is that replaces him, a her of some kind, we've talked about her, I think, briefly as well. And you're left with, if you're still relying on the fear of death administration to direct your course of action in any type of medicinal response to a dis-ease of some kind, you are doing a great disservice to the people that come to you for help. If you're a doctor or a non-doctor, or an herbalist or a homeopath, we tend not to listen to the FDA, not because we're, we're uh, uh, you know, desirous of criminal status, but because the FDA is plain wrong and rife with conflicts of interest. And last week I went through this again, the, the documentary film, Utah Safe and Effective. Go to utahsafeandeffective.org. Watch the film. It's free. You'll see conflicts of interest matter. And some of the things we're uncovering today, including critique of doctors and non-doctors about utilizing things that are unapproved of by any government agency anywhere, at least of all the FDA, those people making the critique are rife with conflicts of interest, economic or otherwise. So with that, Superdon, tell me, uh, do we have the doctor on the line, Dr. Bowden? I'm here. Is it and do I say Bowden or Bowden? Because I know Bobby Bowden down there, you know, University of Florida all those years ago is Bowden, and then there are people that are Bowden. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm a Bowden, like bow tie. Okay, Dr. Mary Bowden, welcome back to the Robert Scott Bell Show. I can hear you. We've got your still image up there on the screen, and I'm glad to have you on board today. Well, thanks so much for having me. So the conflicts of interest I continue to talk about and those that are claiming that we are spreaders of misinformation or that you as a physician who would dare to prescribe something like ivermectin off-label that seem to have helped a lot of people are criminals or, or, or worse. I mean, you've had to deal with this firsthand, have you not? Yes, it's been uh, quite a ride. Um, I, yeah, back in the summer of 2021, I started using ivermectin. And initially, I used monoclonal antibodies, but then the government started rationing those. And monoclonal antibodies worked very well. People would turn around, you know, the next day, they would feel tremendously better. So I was actually a little nervous to start using ivermectin, but I still had sick people coming to me, and I wanted to treat them. And I dug into it. I made sure it was safe. I didn't take anybody's word for it. I went to the original studies done that were submitted to the FDA when ivermectin was approved for human use and looked at all the safety data. And I also did a literature search to see if there were cases of overdose, either, either accidental or intentional. And I couldn't find anything in the literature showing overdoses from ivermectin. So then I started using it and uh, it actually worked. And everybody that I used uh, early treatment with, ivermectin, later on, I also added hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. But the bottom line is I have treated now over 5,500 patients and everybody that received early treatment is alive and well, and no one suffered any serious uh, and uh, as payback for that, I was by the very uh, prominent hospital in Houston. Uh, I was reported to the medical board, and I'm still I'm still dealing with that. Uh, I don't I won't know anything on that until April of 2024. Doctor Bowden, it's got a cause you to pause if you hadn't already prior to COVID. I don't know, again, the history. I can't remember that. But the intentions, what are the intentions? What is the motivation 
of regulatory bodies like FDA and or state boards of medicine to attack doctors that had a track record that should be the envy of everybody, or if not the envy, then, hey, what are you doing? Can we duplicate it everywhere else? As opposed to how dare you claim that that is helping people, horse paste or whatever else you decided to do. Uh, When you look back, is it fairly clear that our government agencies are not interested in protecting the health and the life of patients? Or am I exaggerating? No, I mean, it's very disheartening because prior to COVID, I trusted the government agencies. I mean, I wouldn't, didn't blindly follow them, but I also would never have suspected that this kind of thing would happen. Um, and motivation, I mean, honestly, it's, it's too big to fail. The pharmaceutical industry with this vaccine that was in the works even before the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. And invested so much into that vaccine or not a shot. I can't even call it a vaccine, but yeah. they've invested so into it uh, that they're just, they can't back down at this point. There's too much to lose. And if there's a, if there's a easy treatment available, then there's no need for that very expensive shot that they're putting out there. Dr. Bowden, I, I mean, clearly um, this is a, let's say a, a, a wake up from our, I, if I dare say naive, it's not an insult because we've all been there at one point in our life where we sort of trusted semi-blindly or blindly trusted authority, authoritarians within government and medicine to be really trying to do their best to protect the public, to, to only promote that which would work. And it, it, it's clearly uh, been an epic fail. And the more they try to hold on to it, as you point out, they're too big to fail. They can't back down now. There's too much to lose. But the more they struggle to hold on to those uh, uh, wrong-headed beliefs, if you will, or proclamations about what they are in terms of, uh, you know, uh, they have a higher authority and they know something we don't know, uh, then the, the more rapidly the American people specifically to our country uh, will lose whatever faith that they had in modern medicine and the doctors who deliver it with rare exception. Oh yeah. I mean, the trust is completely gone. You can see it all over Twitter or X now it's all over, you know, people just have lost complete faith in the medical system. The most common question that my patients ask me is who can I trust? Who recommend people are desperate for, if we have to go to the hospital because everybody is very fearful of what will happen if they have to go to the hospital and it's very understandable i wouldn't want to go to the hospital either yeah it's a big (laughs) yeah yeah. I've said the most dangerous place you can be is a hospital. And that's the irony, of course, of a place where you think they will triage and save your life. And and again, that's the the, the shining aspect, the actual wonderful aspect of, of advances in, in technology and science and modern medicine to save people's lives on death's door that they would not have lived in previous you know times. But to apply that mm-hmm. same emergency principle to all ailments and illnesses and symptoms is an absolute disaster to the point where it's acknowledged within the journals, uh, the peer-reviewed journals like JAMA, New England Journal, and Lancet, that modern medicine has become the third leading cause of death. What other industry? Mm-hmm. What other industry would continue one more day? It was co- if it was causing that much death, but they give this industry a pass primarily because the pharmaceutical industry, which supports it and it depends upon it, has uh, basically you know become owner and controller of our government regulatory bodies and the media itself and uh, the power that they hold as industry uh, is something extraordinary, un- unprecedented in history outside of black magicians and sorcerers of old. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, where our system has been hijacked by the pharmaceutical industry. It's very sad. So what do you do when you talk about these people and they have genuinely asking these questions sincerely? What do I do? I don't know who to trust. And, and it's interesting when we talk about faith. Faith is something you put in, you know, a religious belief, a spiritual belief. Why was it applied to modern medicine? Wasn't that interesting? If you think about that, it's like so much religious phraseology is used to maintain control over the people that you have to just trust us, believe us, have faith in us, that we have your best interest in hearts instead of going, hey, where's the empirical evidence that you do? Because it's clear that it's not there. Right. Yeah. I I mean, well, I keep a list of doctors locally that I have networked with that are like-minded, and I give that to my patients I'm trying to start a hospital with another uh, like-minded doctor. I don't know if you know Joe Verone, Dr. Verone, who is a critical care specialist and also uh, one of the founding members of the FLCCC. And he was wonderful during the pandemic. He worked 700 plus days straight, saved so many lives using uh, the protocols set by the FLCCC. So we're trying to set up a hospital in Houston. It's just a, it's a monumental task, but that's what we're, our goal is. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, but now the thing is how to maintain the integrity when there is so much power and control exerted over any uh, hospital system, any clinic system. When you talk about the licensure, the licensure is a permission slip to do that, which would otherwise be considered illegal. And of course you have a monopoly status as a physician and the license that it provides, yet it's a, a tremendous control that they have over you based on the risk to that license. They say, well, if you stray a little bit over here beyond the standard of care, which they cannot define, they will not define in any a hearing, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, then suddenly you can't do what you know is right to do. And so we have heard so many physicians, doctors, nurses, and all folks are just looking for a parallel track outside of the licensure system because they realize it's broken. Well, there is a parallel track. I haven't dug into this deeply, but you can become a licensed physician under the uh, Indian reservation system, which is separate Mm -hmm. from the United States. Right. Um, American tribes. Yes. And um, so that that's sort of last resort if it comes to that. Um, yeah, I I don't think they'll be able to take I mean, maybe they can take my license. They I think I could get by by paying them money and you know serving my you know apologizing and doing more CME and that sort of thing. And maybe that's what it will come to. Um I, that, yeah, yeah, I can't feel good, though. I hear you and I feel your your voice in saying that it's like. Well, that sucks. I've got to supplicate myself to a bunch of morons that that couldn't heal themselves themselves out of a wet paper sack. I mean, these people are not qualified to tell you what is right, good, proper, and and working, right? So you're like subjugating yourself in a way. It's like, oh, man, you can fight as long as you can, and I, I appreciate your willingness to do so, but I like the thing that you brought up, and I know about this, Native American licensing. Uh, that that pulls you out of the jurisdiction of the of the Fear and Death Administration, FDA, and all that it does as well. Uh, so other innovations through private medical uh, groups or private, um, uh, what we call those contractual relationships, private groups. I forget, PM, PMAs, private membership associations. That's another thing that I see emerging. And uh, again, right. moving more toward a model of less centralized bureaucracy and control and more freedom to innovate. And then we talk about free market medicine. You are engaged in a number of groups that are really good within the medical field, including a a free market medical group. Tell me about this. 
Yeah, it's called FMMA, Free Market Medical Association. And it's basically, you know, price transparency. Uh, you can compare prices. Uh, all So I'm a specialist. I'm an ear, nose, and throat, and I am a sleep medicine specialist. And I don't take insurance, but I also don't really consider concierge because uh, it's just a fee. You know, I don't get, I don't, there's no large upfront fee. It's just when you come in, you pay for the visit mm -hmm. and then you can submit. I give everybody the insurance code so they can submit that to your, their insurance plan and get reimbursed by their insurance or they can use their health savings account to pay mm -hmm. for it. Uh, but the Free Market Medical Association is just a network of direct primary and direct specialty care doctors that don't contract with insurance companies, don't co contract with the government, uh, that are independent and uh, more outside the system than most doctors. I love that. I, I think that's a fantastic move. I don't know how long this has been around, but I, I'm just hearing about it now for some reason. I feel like a slacker for not knowing about it before. But we have it uh, linked up, and if it's not, Super Don will make sure it's there in the in the show notes today and the day, August 21, 2023, when we first air the broadcast. Free Market Medical Associ Association is fmma.org. It's easy to find, and probably you can find uh, uh, folks, docs that are, like, setting the stage. And, you know, the thing is about what I've seen in these free market kind of medical intervent in interfaces the price is a fraction of what it would normally cost when you're running through insurance schemes. And in the higher quality, I mean, I spend yeah. 45 minutes with a new patient. I do a, a much thorough, more thorough exam than I would if under the traditional model, every right. patient need, who needs it gets a nasal endoscopy, sinus endoscopy, whereas before it was always a question, will the insurance pay for it? Will the patient end up with some big bill if I look in their nose? And it's just, it just eliminates all of that hassle. Speaking of uh, ENTs, probably wish I would have had you when I was a kid. Uh, I was uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the stuffed up kid, the sinus congestion kid, allergies, borderline asthma. I had everything. It was the canary in the coal mine of Generation X. And I remember my ENT took pity on me or something or... If I'm cynical, I say, you know, he needed a car payment or something to help his uh, college uh, kids. But um, they opened up the holes of my nose bigger. They called it a deviated septum surgery. Now, granted, mm -hmm. I had broken my nose a number of times in, in childhood. So, okay, there could have been a legitimate thing. But I, I came, come to find out that we're all born with a deviated septum. It's the way air is supposed to flow through the body. So when I had the surgery, I got a nice new nose. But all of the congestion that filled the littler holes filled bigger holes afterwards. So it didn't address any reason why I had chronic congestion, which is, you know, a failing, yeah. I think, of modern medicine to not look at cause, but just treat or manage symptoms. Well, and that's that's what makes me a little bit different in ENT is that I'm very conservative about surgery. And mm -hmm. I really try to eliminate the inflammation first and then see how much of it is structural, whereas a lot of ENTs just jump right in and don't mm -hmm. really try to work it out. And, you know, you're right. Everybody has a deviated septum. I tell all my <laughs> patients that but there are some that are worse than others. Sure. That is, um, but yes, I've never seen anybody just with a perfectly straight septum. Um, and even after surgery, they're not perfectly straight. But yeah, yeah and, it's, uh, it's normal. Deviated I, septum. Would I would argue God didn't make a mistake. There's a reason that air flows that way. But Again, you pointed out something very important that uh, my physician who was a nice guy when I was growing up, nothing, no ill will, but no, there was no question of, Hey, what are you eating? 
Uh, what kind of pro-inflammatory exposures do you have? All of that. And even if it were allergies, which I had every allergy known to man, then it was take this over-the-counter prescription med. I was on 10 years of allergy injections, only made me worse, didn't make me better until I figured out that my uncle, the doctor, told me, you know, you're going to be miserable if you become a doctor like you say you want to. And I only figured that out at mm -hmm. 19 at Emory when mm -hmm. I realized the doctors didn't know why I was sick and they admitted it. But maybe one day you'll grow out of it. And I thought, gosh, darn, if I teach or well, let's say if I do that to patients, I would be miserable. Mm -hmm. Same thing they did to me. So I, yeah. I found homeopathy, thank God, and cleared up my sinuses holistically and organically and all of that and never looked back other than to continue to to uh, encourage others to look deeper, including physicians who were many of my best friends are medical physicians that have gone a different direction from their Flexner Report Medical School training to actually do uh, things outside of just allopathic intervention, which is wonderful. But in a free market for medicine and healing, wouldn't we all be able to hang a shingle and go, here's what I do, here's what you do. We can't deceive, we can't lie about it, but we would uh, then find out what works well or find out we can cooperate and work together on all kinds of great things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I will say the homeopathy part is hard because in our training, we get absolutely zero of it. In fact, I remember being told that Vitamins were just a very expensive urine, you know, mm -hmm. it's just a complete. And our training has, I mean, very, very, very little to no homeopathy involved in it. So, it, yes, and, and no nutrition, of course, all of that. But that was by design, right. as we learn about with Flexor Report 1910. And I go back further than that to 1844 with the dawn of the American Institute of Homeopathy three years later than the AMA is founded to basically target homeopathy as a main competition to its its field of allopathic methods methods and that was long before the you know the patent petrochemical explosion happened in the early 20th century with Rockefeller Carnegie foundations but again we're dealing with a lot of history that still most people and even physicians don't know and they wonder why they're you know let's say running into these problems and it is a system not rooted in freedom a system not rooted in freedom is going to limit innovation limit the ability to respond to the needs of the people coming to see you, even if it's not what you were taught because you learned about it clinically or otherwise or took courses outside of the Flexner Report, uh, let's say, controlled curricula. And so I would, I think that you're probably on the side, having been learned of you being part of the Free Market Medical Association, that we don't suffer from a lack of, well, coercion, Deception. We suffer from a lack of freedom in medicine in in healing. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and you know we need some constraints. We don't want there are some bad doctors, and so it. it but you know the the thing with COVID is we have our track record, and mm -hmm. we have the, we have safety. There's nothing dangerous that we're doing. And, you know, if we were if we were lying, that we'd have all sorts of people coming out and saying, well, it didn't work for me. But that's not what you're hearing at all. Right. You're hearing right. the public saying ivermectin definitely worked. Um, and it, it's not like, um, you know, we're hurting people. Right. If you, you don't want doctors going around trying experimenting and hurting people, but that's not what's happening. Um, so it's it's very discouraging. Um, but um, and I, I think. Uh, once once everything uh, weeds itself out, history will be on our side. The history books will yes. show that we are right, but it may take a while. 
Yeah, it will. And we're in the midst of it. And it's hard sometimes to see the incremental steps back toward freedom that we are experiencing uh, as they continue to try and do power grabs to limit our freedom and your freedom. And Mm -hmm. you're engaged in a lawsuit we could talk about in a moment. I just want to give a heads up for the uh, folks from around the world and around the country uh, that there are some upcoming events at the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com, including one, at least one, Dr. Bowden, you might be interested in because it'll be in your backyard of Houston. Uh, my friends at uh, uh, Healing Strong, which is an organization that's celebrating its 10th anniversary and helping people overcome cancer and sharing their stories. And it's a wonderful group. I'll be there in Houston on the September 29th and 30th uh, coming up. HealingStrong.org slash conference. Um, this coming, well, almost, well, this coming Labor Day weekend, uh, second through the sixth is the 48th annual Cancer Control Society Convention. And I've met a lot of folks that were part of the AAPS online, the Association for American Physicians and Surgeons. These are good docs that didn't take pharma money. They've all often been at that event, and that's coming up, cancercontrolsociety.org. We also have the Biomed Expo in Las Vegas, September 14th through 17th, and that's going to be an amazing conference. I'll be speaking, I'll be broadcasting, I'll be uh, moderating panels at that one. Then I mentioned the Houston event. Then we have a Pittsburgh professional training event with Nutritional Frontiers, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. And also simultaneous to that in Utah, the Your Health Freedom Symposium with Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Merrill Nass, Dr. Jancy Chun Lindsay, and more. I'll be there speaking as well as uh, Jared St. Clair. We've got a lot of good things that are happening at that event. And all of these are listed at the upcoming events tab. Then the granddaddy of them all is the Health Freedom Expo, October 14th and 15th in Tinley Park outside of Chicago. And you can go to trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com or you can go to... uh, uh, trinityschool.org, learn about the things doctors and nurses and lay people all are taking coursework from Trinity to expand their knowledge of body, mind, spirit, health, support, and healing. Uh, we do have a big event in uh, Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona with doctors Terry and Stu Warner, Bobby Kennedy. Yes, he's scheduled to be the keynote along with Kevin Zorbo, David Brownstein, Judy Mikovits, John Witcher, uh, Kimberly Overton, Nurse Freedom Network, Dr. Richard Urso, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Jack Wilson, the paleocardiologist. That's November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Scottsdale, Arizona. And then we've got some other events coming up in the, in the new year. So there's a lot going on, Dr. Bowden. You got any events coming up? Uh, yes, I'll be speaking in Spokane, Spokane Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember the exact name of the conference, uh, mm-hmm. but it'll be with Dr. Rennie Moon and Sean Needham, who's a, a pharmacist, a, a friendly pharmacist, which are hard to find these days. Um, and uh, Kelly Victory will also be speaking. Excellent. So. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're going to be out there. And if you can hit that Houston event locally, I'd love to see you, meet you there. You're doing great work. Now, the, the lawsuit, are you actively engaged in this one where they tried to stop doctors from prescribing ivermectin? We talked about the FDA lawyer going, well, the FDA didn't say you couldn't, <laughs> and yet it comes out with another article. So, well, we haven't approved it for COVID. Uh, are you engaged in that? Yes, I'm, I'm one of the plaintiffs. It's myself and Paul Merrick and Robert Apter. Paul Merrick is one of the founders of FLCCC, and Robert Apter is a private practice physician in Arizona. Um, and yes, yeah, so all the three of us are the plaintiffs on that lawsuit. So what state is it in? Is it is it already... Uh, at a federal lawsuit or a state-level lawsuit? Where is it now? It's federal. Uh, we are in the appeals process. So the case was initially dismissed. It was dismissed over the uh, doctrine of sovereign immunity, saying mm-hmm. that you basically can't sue the government. Uh, yeah. So we had 
hearing um, in New Orleans recently, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and it sounds promising. The judge was asking, there were three judges, but the main judge, Judge Elrod, was asking just really good questions, uh, bringing out, you know, making the FDA admit that they cannot tell doctors uh, how to use off-label drugs. So they may not authorize COVID as a treatment for, I mean, ivermectin as a treatment for COVID, but it's it's outside of their, their jurisdiction to tell doctors if they can use it and how they should use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, you know, the judge got the lawyer to admit that, um, but we're just waiting on the outcome. The, the final decision has not been made yet. Gotcha. All right. So it's in route, so to speak. Well, uh, it's just astonishing how deceptive the FDA's practices are and say, well, we didn't actually say you couldn't or you shouldn't. I mean, on and on it goes. The evidence is there. And I think uh, clearly those in government have engaged in fraud, violated whatever oath they may have taken to the Constitution if they've taken an oath, which is why sovereign immunity doesn't fly in their claims that, you know, that, that it should be dismissed, if you will. Um, what do you think of, of this article? And it's probably par for the course at this point in time. I've, I've mentioned the three words, conflicts of interest that we all need to be aware of. Uh, Defenders reporting, Michael Neverdakis wrote this PhD, medical board chief who wanted doctors delicensed for misinformation. Well, it happens to, that he's in bed with the PR firm that is tied to CDC, Pfizer, and Moderna to promote the mm-hmm. agenda of injections without question. Oh, yeah, that's Richard Barron, the mm-hmm. head of the American Board of Internal Medicine, the institution that has decertified Drs. McCullough, Dr. Pierre Corey, um, and then also Dr. Merrick, who's on my FDA lawsuit. So, um, yeah, he's <laughs> he's hardly an impartial player in this, um, given that he's uh, a client of Weber Shandwick, which is, I think, the number two PR, comp- PR company in the country and is also shares uh, the the client list of Moderna and Pfizer. And actually, they were um, there was a conference in Austin, I believe, um, the uh, Southwest. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a tech it's a it's a tech conference that happens every year, and, mm-hmm. and apparently, uh, the PR company uh, enlisted R- Richard Barron to be one of their keynote speakers on misinformation. So yeah, he's hardly impartial. Um, he's got money tied to. It's, it's financially lucrative for him to mm-hmm. go after doctors like myself. Well, and listen to the CDC, which has hired this agency, this PR agency, the Center National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. Why do they hire a PR company? Well, to promote. And it's a fifty million dollar contract. Yeah, no small change, chump change, right? To promote the vaccination of children, pregnant women, and those at risk for flu, and increase the general acceptance and use of vaccines. What is Mm -hmm. our government engaged in something like that for the profitability of the agencies that are, well, not just the agencies, but those who have captured the agencies? Like I said, conflicts of interest all the way through. Yep. And, you know, they could, sure, use the, the PR campaign to promote their uh, health benefits and all that. But that's one thing. It's another thing to actually go after doctors, try to get them decertified, delicensed, defame doctors, um, you know, treat the 
treat treat us the way that we've been treated just when we're trying to help people. So mm -hmm. well, but even, I've actually even, put go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I put in a FOIA request to the CDC trying to get more information around all this because there are or there's an organization called Shots Heard around the world. And it has a, it was paid by the CDC and Shots Heard has gone after me and other doctors online, encouraging the public to report us to the medical board. Mm -hmm. uh, so trying to get that data, the financial data. But, you know, I sent a FOIA request four months ago and just absolute silence. I'm not sure what will happen. Yeah, Dr. Bowden, you're you're doing good things, and that's why you're being attacked. Uh, that's the that litmus <laughs> test at this point. It isn't about going after bad doctors. It's about going after good ones. That's why I think the licensure system is broken. And we've seen so many articles over the years of the doctors who are engaged in abusive practices are the ones that are protected via licensure. So the idea that you're protecting the public is an idea alone, but not one that is proved to be true in practice uh, throughout you know, the years that, that we've engaged in licensure of activities. And I, and I know you can argue that there's a reason to license, but at the same time, you see how many wrecks happen and every, most everybody that's on the road in a car that wrecks has a license. <laughs> it's not a guarantee of competency uh, at any point in time. Also the, you know, the PR issue, as I talked about the promotion of the good things of vaccination. Now, many physicians, maybe yourself included, are looking uh, differently since COVID injections were promoted so heavily at the previous incarnations of vaccinations long before there was mRNA technology and realizing that just as many of us homeopaths and naturopaths and herbalists have said, there are no genuine independent placebo controlled studies to determine safety and efficacy. And it matters, but they claim it doesn't matter suddenly, although it matters except when they, you know, use it against a natural remedy, for instance, then suddenly a placebo controlled study is important uh, so that you begin to see the devastating damage of the vaccination belief system. Again, it's, it's not one that's rooted in sound science. If you say the gold standard is a placebo controlled study. Uh, so there's a lot, I would argue, is misinformation and disinformation and malinformation coming from the CDC and hiring out these firms to promote that yet the attack is on you and me and others like us who simply point out maybe they're not accurate in what they're saying yeah most definitely i'm, I'm certainly questioning the whole vaccine program in a way that i never did before um it's yeah i mean it's and i'm not i mean I, I, the most every patient i talk to is reluctant to take anything at face value anymore. And they're nervous about the vaccines in general, not just the COVID shot. They're nervous about even taking an antibiotic. I mean, it has really uh, messed up our, our system and the public has lost complete faith in the system. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we need a little less um, modern medicine in our lives anyway. Dr. Mary Bowden, from your lips to God's ears, I, I think that's where we are. And it isn't again, an attack on all doctors. It's a system that has become so corrupt that even the good people that go into it are either miserable, like my uncle, the medical doctor, who told me not to go into medicine because of that, long before I knew any of this. It was, you know, back decades ago, he warned us. Or, uh, you know, just you found out in COVID when you said, you know, this is working, I'm helping people and all of my patients are living while I'm hearing about all these others dying. And you stand against the tyranny of those who would try to uh, attack you, deride you, and and even threaten you with delicensing uh, for doing what? What you probably signed on to do as a physician to help people, to do no harm, in fact. And kudos to you for standing against it and actually 
you know, standing up in the courts now as well to fight back. I appreciate what you're doing. And you are at breathemd.com, I believe it is. Breathemd.org. I apologize for what I'm seeing. Breathemd.org. And it takes right to your clinic. You can book an appointment. You're in the Houston area. Do you also do telemedicine type conference calls as well? Yes. As long as the patient is in Texas, I can do telemedicine as well. Okay. So Texas focused. And uh, for those of you who need good help from an ENT, that sounds like she's doing great work, uh, breathemd.org. I would also uh, uh, be remiss if I didn't tell you the things that I've done in terms of sinus health, including the cleansing of the sinus cavity with the bioactive silver hydrosol Argentin 23 for doctors. I don't know if you've encountered that yet, but what a wonderful gift that has been. No, I, you have to tell me more about that. I, I, I'm a big proponent of salt vitamins, um, and I have my patients add a drop or two of betadine and a drop or two of and the baby shampoo acts as a surfactant uh, to break up biofilms, mm-hmm. um, and betadine is the antiseptic portion of it. Yep. Yeah, and we can do the same with the silver ions that can break through the the biofilms as well, safely reducing tissue inflammation on contact is one of the things we've learned. But yeah, happy to follow up on that because I love to see good folks doing good work and even getting better by the day. And that's what we should all strive to to do and be as healers, physicians, doctors, whatever. Uh, And even if you're a lay person out there, we always want to try and do better when we learn better things. And and again, sounds got a lot like a lot like you're doing that, Dr. Mary Bowden. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having me, and um, it's great to connect. And, yes, I'd love to hear more about the silver ions. Yeah, and I appreciate, too, that your willingness to go by the phone. And hopefully another time, if we get you back on, we can test in advance because that's the problem. we got to troubleshoot this before we go to air. So we get you on video, too, because I'm sure wanna, people want to see you in motion, not just the still image. Yes. Well, sorry about that. And my computer never cooperates when I want it to, unfortunately. I promise you she's not an AI doctor. She's real. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right, Dr. Bowden, thanks for being on board today. I appreciate you very much. All right. Thank you, Robert. All right. Dr. Mary Bowden and uh, breathemd.org. All the links are in the show notes at robertscatbell.com. I believe to Free Market Medical Association as well, which I think you'll find some good docs that are engaged in direct interface with you, fractional cost relative to what, you know, when they're running through third-party insurance schemes, government or non-government, whatever, but it's all such a mess. Uh, that's at FMA, fmma.org, fmma.org. You know, another thing to do uh, as far as uh, addressing a lot of chronic maladies, inflammatory issues, I mentioned many times now, and for those of you who are new, uh, my friend Bob Ria Warren, who will be with me at the uh, Cancer Control Society's annual convention, as well as the Biomed Expo. He was just at the Red Pill Expo. He's got the Folium PX products. And not only does it help my mom to get back on the dance floor at 89 years of age, not kidding, seriously, it's amazing. Uh, but it's also helped G. Edward Griffin get out of the wheelchair. Like three Red Pill Expos ago, he was recovering from being poisoned. And he, he could hardly walk. It was like carrying him on the stage almost. And now he was fully ambulatory. They call it that. I mean, he could walk. I mean, he's in his 90s. And the Folium PX has been helping him along with Cardio Miracle and other things. And remember, all of these things that I talk about that I utilize or promote because they work, because they work for me or my family, and we put them to the test. A lot of those things are pretty much all of them. You have di- great discount codes accessible 
and you can go to the page. There's a special link or just hit the banner. And most of those are embedded. If not, that'll tell you what code to give. Use the RSB10 code to get the Folium PX products, including the Folium Original, Folium Immuno, and Folium Relax. And you can try them out when we're together uh, Labor Day weekend at the Cancer Control Society's annual convention. Uh, second hour, I'm beside myself, ecstatic and excited because my good pal, my buddy, Brian Hooker's back on the show. Dude, that guy, I don't know when he sleeps. He's put out another book and you can order it. It's almost ready to go out on the, on the market, so to speak. And I don't think it's been banned yet. Hope it doesn't get banned. Uh, but we'll talk about Vax versus Unvax. Let the science speak. It's in hardcover. Available uh, just a few days from now, it looks like. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Brian Hooker, PhD. So uh, we'll be joined by Brian next hour as well. And we'll be simulcasting on Brideon.tv as well. And uh, so those of you know that it's a little bit different of a clock, but I think we can make it. I think we can manage it. If Super Don can open it up. Yeah, I do see the clock, the countdown clock, because we actually have a time I can't go over uh, for that. So good job on getting. Uh, Did I hear my name? Yeah, but good job on getting Dr. Bogan in, Bowden in by phone, because uh, I, I imagine she was seeing patients and didn't get her emails till too late. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. But she was good. I, th I enjoyed her. Yeah, I think she did absolutely. Great. And this time, because we could hear her. Mm -hmm. Yes. Exactly. That's good. an important part of audio and video and delivery. She's, she's one per, you know, one of those people in one of those cases of many that are in court right now that are being mm -hmm. fought yeah. for people to uh, be, be vil uh, vindicated, I guess. Right. I almost said vilified. They were vilified, vilified yeah. first, They've but now, vilified now vindicated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, you know, to. Let, let everybody know that, you know what, free speech is a real thing. Mm -hmm. But again, I still look at it and I, I still have a bad taste in my mouth over the situation because sure. it's like their free speech was taken away during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And now, oh, yes, you could have it back now. Yeah. After but all we, the damage is done, right? But we'll still kind of try and denigrate you along the way. Hey, real quick, uh, I, I know we don't have validation on Alex Jones's claim that he made, you know, from a, a, a TSA uh, contact, but... Do you think, just to, off the top of your head, that people will comply if they come back with mask mandates no. for air travel again? Are you kidding me? Uh, some people will, of course. Yeah. Some people, those are the people that are still wearing masks right now. <laughs> right. You know, you be, see, be we never stopped, so we don't have to start again. Right. But do you but, think there'll be enough of a pushback to make it not? Because we know that if no one had participated, it wouldn't have worked the first time. But people were afraid, and they did it. Yeah. They complied. So, no, I don't, I don't think there, there's no way. There's no, no way. People are wise to a lot of stuff now. Yeah. So I think that, uh, I, I don't know. I just don't you see it happening. That video but... of the measurement of things that could fit yes. through that mask. Yeah. Yes. Maybe we can show that later. All uh, right. We'll talk to Brian Hooker about that and many other things. It's just fun to catch up. So 10 seconds away from joining <gasps> our friends at Brideon.tv. I'll give a quick sneak preview of the show again. Do I have a drum or Let's see. I think right. I do. I Four, think I do. three, two, one. Hey, welcome everybody on Brideon.tv. The Robert Scott Bell Show is in progress. This is our second hour of our Monday broadcast. It is August the 21st, 2023. As far as I know, when we first air this, glad to be with you. There's Super Don making it uh, sound so good. This hour, very excited to bring back my good friend, Dr. Professor Brian Hooker. He's got a new book out, Vax vs. Unvax, Let the Science Speak. Hardcover coming out August 29th. You can order now through Amazon and other major book retailers or resellers resellers that's the word <laughs> and he did this book along with guess who robert f kennedy jr and uh, we're going to talk about that in a whole lot more this hour coming up also uh i i think that's enough really but uh 
Whatever Super Don wants to do, we'll do that too. We've got but, some questions of the day we might we stick in there somewhere too. Questions of the day as well. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. Chat room is alive and well. We'll see you there and crank it up for health, freedom, and healing liberty because the power to heal is yours. All right, shout out to our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. Every month they start up the the programs. They're just amazing. They now have some offered in Spanish as well. For those of you who know, we need all the help we can get to get back to body, mind, and spirit. And that supports the body's own innate intelligence, as chiropractors call it, uh, vital force, as homeopaths call it, uh, the ability to heal, a gift from the creator, a gift from God. And we want to remove the obstacles to healing, obstacles to cure, and give the body that which it needs. You'll learn a lot about that at Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. Also, a quick shout out to, you know, one of the obstacles to cure or healing is toxic poison. Well, I know that's a big step to say that, Robert, right? Really impressive. What am I talking about? How about stop spraying glyphosate and other pesticides? Not herbicide or yeah, all of that stuff. All these cancer-causing chemicals, all these immune-destroying chemicals because they destroy microbiome, they damage the integrity of tissue, and we, you know, we have so many options instead. Like if you got pests in your house, little bugger, I'm not talking about your kids, <laughs> the, the little creepy crawlies, use Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. Our buddy Tor McPartland, he's been on the show a number of times over the years, and he's gone through the EPA approval process to get his regulated as a pesticide, but it's delimiting based, completely safe for organic agriculture, Omri listed. I've used it in my greenhouse if needed, and you can utilize it in your kitchen, around. It's it's great stuff. Orange Guard, and go to Whole Foods or call them. Even if you're not a fan of call, just for the sake of, make sure they have the Orange Guard there. They carry it in their system. Say, hey, I, make sure you have the Orange Guard, and you can get it at your local Ace Hardware as well, orangeguard.com directly. And again, shout out to Tor. We'll have him on soon. Another guy we'll have on soon is Dr. Jack, James Lyons-Weiler, and IPAC, ipac-edu.com. Org. And there's some great things happening there. A lot of great coursework. I'm telling you, there are folks that I've encountered in this lifetime that are so extraordinary. And that includes my guest this hour. He's going to be coming up in just a moment. In fact, I don't, why wait? I, I, I mean, I could talk about uh, dropping college COVID-19 injection mandates, but I'm encouraging you to not send your kids to Marxist indoctrination centers. I know it's radical to think about that, but they don't get to learn about real science anyway. Send them to IPAC-EDU to learn real science and they'll be smarter than ever. If they want a degree and become licensed medical physician, then they're entering into another contract for slavery, as we talked a little bit about that last hour. So I'm encouraging you to think outside the medical and pharmaceutical box in encouraging and guiding your children to the next generation, the next level of healing, going back to source, going back to creation, going back to the energy of life itself. We need more homeopaths and naturopaths and herbalists. We got enough doctors, don't we? Too many poisoning, willing to poison you back to health. An absurdity if there ever was one. One of the doctors I really love and care about and appreciate, he happens to be a PhD, a professor and everything. He's awesome. He's cool. You'll love him. If you get to see him at any of the events coming up, give him a big hug. If he if he wants to. I mean, yeah, he's a hugging kind of guy. It's Dr. Professor Brian Hooker back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Brian! Big hug. Big, big hug. hug. 
I'm a hugger. You're absolutely right. And I love your shirt. Oh my goodness. I feel so welcome. You I, I heard you were coming on the show today and I brought this out of retirement. It's just like deep in my drawer and it only for special occasions when Brian Hooker comes on the show. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm totally honored. Totally flabbergasted. Great to see Robert Scott beard. <laughs> I've got a little scruff today. This is my summer scruff. I'll eventually. You moved to Utah and become a mountain man. My, well, my mom's going to protest and not watch the show unless I shave soon. So I, I know, Mom, I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, now, I got to ask you, it looks like you're yes. in an empty echo chamber. No books behind you. What's going on? I uh, Rumors about my recent incarceration are all false. No. Okay, good. Uh, I, I did have, I've changed. I just very, very like today, yesterday, last week. Uh, changed offices at the university where I have retired. Yep. And they're allowing me to keep an office here as an emeritus professor. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa. whoa. Um, so they, they didn't kick you out on ceremony. So they say never come back. They're, you're, you're still welcome on campus. This is great news. Still welcome on, I, buy, I buy coffee at the coffee shop every morning. I see the president of the university. He still says hi. And wow. so, you know, I think I'm not on the outs. I, I love where I work. Um, or I love where I worked. Mm-hmm. I now work full time for Children's Health Defense, and uh, am absolutely loving it. But I need to get some stuff in my shelves and on my walls, and yes. it's looking pretty threadbare in here, isn't it? Yes, I've got some extra books. If you need anything, let me know. Uh, happy absolutely. to help out. And how is it that you hanging out at the university level as a professor didn't become a Marxist too? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I am. I'm anything but. A Marxist, Mr. Dr. Robert Scott Bell. No, I'm not a Marxist. And um, I was able to sort of hide out in science and engineering programs during, you know, my tenure. I I actually taught at three different uh, uh, colleges and universities as a part of my career and uh, worked at a Department of Energy laboratory, which was really, really crazy. And that was about as close as Marxism as I came. Mm-hmm. Uh, was actually working for the federal government, but um, I, but you know, that's hey. a, that's a whole other story. It is, it's important. But but my concerns are founded; they're not unwarranted. That a lot of kids go away to college and they're they're impacted by these professors that have never existed in a free market. They don't know what it is. They think freedom is dangerous, and they want a top-down centralized bureaucracy controlling, including the sciences. Exactly, exactly, and and it's it's a big head trip. It's a big ego trip. Um, for so many of them just pontificating and, and reading out, out of textbooks that are completely slanted, completely biased, revisionist history. And it makes it so, so discouraging to then have those same students that are sort of beaten down by this, this uh, you know, uh, these falsehoods. And then they come to my statistics class and I, I feel like I have to get a spatula just to kind of peel them up off the floor. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I got to ask you about your experience in writing a book with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Bobby Kennedy running for president as a Democrat. Although if you watch MSNBC, you don't even know he's running for president. It's amazing. Uh, And and yet as a Democrat, I hear a modern Democrat. I do think collectivist, Marxist, communist at this point, socialist at the very least. I don't get that vibe from Bobby Kennedy. Tell me what your experience has been. Bobby Kennedy is is really the kindest, most genuine, real article uh, person I, I, I have ever met, um, hands down. He is, he is so genuine, he's so principled, 
and and you know we kid him about his party affiliation because he, he and he'll say he didn't move the democratic party moved the democratic party moved you know much much uh you know a long long time ago and uh he never got the memo so he stuck with his principles which is exactly what i would expect from him and you know uh and when when other people move when the dial moves when you know public opinion moves or when you go out and you watch the Barbie movie and the Barbie movie tells you to do something and you do it because you're a follower, that's not Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's not going to do that. And it's an absolute delight to work with him. You know, obviously I'm not working with him every day anymore uh, because he's out on the campaign trail so he can be our next president. Um, although I, I work for a 501c3, so I do not, endorse political candidates, especially wearing, when I'm wearing my children's sure. health defense as a, yeah, as a children's health defense uh, employee or worker, you can't endorse a candidate. I understand no. that. But as the person, human being that you are, Brian Hooker, I was asking as well about your impressions of working with Bobby Kennedy. I appreciate that. That's the yeah. sense I get in, in my limited interactions with him as well. And uh, I, I've seen him willing to engage in discussions of things he might have a disagreement on or and acknowledge, hey, I haven't looked into that. I'll need to. And then come back and he's willing to change his mind based on new information. Again, that's so rare. Exactly. And he's so well read. He's so well learned. He digests science uh, in, in a way that is so robust and, and I, I wish that I could get my students in science to be able to digest science the way that he does. And if he has a question, he's not afraid to ask it. If he doesn't understand something, he wants it explained to him. And he doesn't just sort of, you know, it, it's not like he, he would ever be the type of person that would get his list of talking points and then he would just stick with his list of talking points or have a teleprompter over here or whatever. Mm -hmm. He really, really knows his stuff. And if he's going to say something publicly, he makes sure that he vets it and he knows it before he actually says something or goes out on a limb, whether it's science, whether it's policy, whether it's technology, whatever. Um, and he is such a, he is so surrendered to God. I will say that that he says every day to him is surrender mm -hmm. as like, God, what do you want me to do today? And and I think that, you know, you overlook that spiritual aspect of him and the strong, strong roots that, you know, he was raised in the Catholic Church and the strong, strong roots that he bore. I mean, you, you know, he didn't he didn't fall asleep during catechism and he's actually written. Um, we have a children's book that he wrote about St. Francis of Assisi. And I love that book. I loved reading that book to my son. Um, and But there's this whole spiritual dimension of being able to have such a strong moral compass and every day waking up yielded to the Lord God and figuring out what God wants him to do for that day. And, and I am so impressed by that. And I'm convicted by that as well, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a fellow believer and um, I, it's, it's been a tremendous experience being able to write a book with him. No, oh, beautiful. And that's why he can't be a Marxist because Marxism is godless and, right. uh, uh, you know, communism is in essence is God is the state state is right. God. And, uh, that's not where he's at. So that's great. Great update. Thank you for that insight as well. Now the book coming out and you can order it now. Uh, it's official release date is apparently August 29th, just about eight days from now. 
Vax-Unvax, Let the Science Speak, um, by Bobby Kennedy and Brian Hooker, uh, forward by Del Bigtree. I, I just, before we get into the, 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 the basics of the book that are so important, if the science were enough, we've, we had won that argument from the, the word go, you know, from the moment you were, you were bringing up uh, issues going back to this movie, you know, or related to the CDC whistleblower and all right, the corruption right. of science to hide any relationship between the injection schedule, one specific one, any or all of them and adverse events, including what they call autism spectrum disorders. Uh, if the science were enough, I, it should be enough, but clearly uh, those that are arguing against a book like this and what's, what it contains are not utilizing quote unquote, the science, they're often pretending they have it, but you have also looked at many of these studies that they keep coming back to. Oh, this shows that there's no link. This show, and you're like, dude, that is not what it shows. And yet they just continue as like a mantra of safe and effective, droning people into uh, unconsciousness to just to accept a belief like uh, COVID injections are safe and effective. And people bought it. We did a film in Utah called Utah Safe and Effective. Uh, and you can watch that utahsafeandeffective.org to show you how not safe and how not effective they were. Uh, so going through the science and putting it into this book in this way with Bobby Kennedy, what might our audience not know yet? And I know that's a big ask because we cover this a lot, but I'm sure there are things that you, layers of things you go, even you went, oh my gosh, I can't believe they relied on that. Well, it's it's so interesting. You know, the way that this, this book came about uh, was in 2019, and there's a backstory beyond that. I, I, I'll, I'll save that for maybe later in the interview, but mm -hmm. uh, in 2019, uh, uh, Bobby contacted me, and he started to find these studies that were truly vaccinated individuals versus unvaccinated individuals. And he, he said, can you uh, analyze these studies come up with simple to understand graphics and then pull quotes from the studies themselves. And let's post this on my Instagram account. And so I, I thought, okay, this is interesting. I, I know that there's just a paucity of vax unvax studies in the open literature. So, you know, we'll do the first 10 studies that we find and then that will be it. Well, 60, 60 studies later that Bobby and I both found in primarily the National Library of Medicine or PubMed, we kept on finding these studies that followed the very, very strict parameters that you had to have an unvaccinated control group, either completely unvaccinated or unvaccinated with the vaccine that was the subject of that particular study. And so, you know, we, we uh, did several rounds of Instagram presentations. Uh, we posted them. Um, and through 2021, starting the COVID-19 era, and then Bobby was deplatformed on Instagram and Facebook at the same time in the spring of 2021. And, you know, it, this, this didn't really precipitate that, but we were sitting across the table in a board meeting, and I realized I just kind of had this epiphany, and I asked Bobby, I said, I think we have a book here. I think this is a book. We need to get this information out. And, and he completely agreed with me and he went one further and he said, this is what this book should contain. It should be educational. It should be something that the layperson should read. It, you should have consistent graphics throughout the entire book. And we need to have one bar on bar graphs, one bar for the unvaccinated and one bar for the vaccinated. And so we had these very, very strict parameters 
And then I kept on collecting studies and Bobby was sending me studies through the COVID-19 era and 100 studies later, we're here. Wow. We have this book. So That's we nice. have, um, we've collected over 100 studies, many of them, not all of them, but many of them are um, indexed on the National Library of Medicine. So we found them in PubMed and um, we uh, basically made a compendium or a handbook. This does not read like a novel, okay? So if you're looking for the best of times and the worst of times, move on. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is, this is more of a compendium. It's something that if you had a question, say, on the MMR vaccine, or if you had a question on uh, the HPV vaccine, or how about Gulf War syndrome, and it's tied to the anthrax vaccine, then you would look in the index or you look in the table of contents and you'd be able to see every true vax unvax study that has been written about that particular subject. Uh, some, some of the subjects, there were very, very few papers written. In fact, I could not find one, you know, singling out the DTAP, I couldn't find one study. It just has not been studied. And of course the government has never studied this. The government fully admits it doesn't do VAX versus unvax studies because, of course, it would be unethical to withhold vaccines from these poor children who are dying of diphtheria. Well, which is an excuse to not do a, a placebo-controlled study where you're actually testing against inert placebo to determine issues like safety and efficacy, as we point out and have for, gosh, ever since I started this show in 1999, the lack of rigorous science to prove what they claim is just demanded uh, you know, in terms of obedience via mantra, safe and effective. Right. And I look at, you know, the, the number of studies where they claim, well, it was a placebo. And you're like, wait, that, that actually has this, the adjuvants uh, in, in, in that, you know, you're not testing against placebo. It's not what they considered at least to this point inert, like saline, for instance, as a, a accepted definition. Uh, and then testing against other vaccines, previous on the market vaccines and calling that a placebo test. It, it is like, can they just make, up new definitions as they go along and if so there's no litmus there's no way to measure you know it's like we define your terms what are your definitions if your def definition as i opened the show today brian before you were here of uh misinformation is anyone who disagrees with the cdc i think you got a messed up definition and i think that these studies are messed up in what they're concluding based on the fact that they're not honest about the word placebo Correct. And, and we remove the background and there's a real, there's, there's a real uh, effort to get rid of the control group. I mean, and, and that the no, new normal would be children who receive up to 90 vaccines by the time they're 18 years of age, you know, and, and that's what it's going to be. If we get a COVID booster shot every year, then it's going to be upwards to 90 vaccines by the time they're 18. But they want to eliminate that control group. They call us odd. They call us uh, um, uh, renegade, uh, you know, dirty anti-vaxxers. We're germy. It's the same things that they use to gaslight, uh, uh, you know, different racial groups in uh, World War II. And, you know, oh, you know, you know they, we carry all these different diseases. You don't want to associate with them. Uh, we're just spouting disinformation and misinformation, you know, as you know, you've talked about exhaustively before, but um, the it, it is so necessary that we preserve that particular group of individuals. And even in this book, in, in some instances, I will admit we had to cheat. Mm -hmm. We have some books, we, we have some studies highlighted 
where the control group received like the meningitis vaccine. And, you know, and we had to comment and say, this is not a true placebo control. Mm -hmm. But what it is, is it's saying, oh, well, these losses, these vaccine adverse events are now acceptable. They're now our acceptable floor. And then we can look at any vaccine adverse event on top of that floor. Mm -hmm. They did that with Gardasil. They've did that. They've done that with COVID-19, where they remove the control group by giving all the control group the vaccine six months later. Um, you know, and, and the government does this over and over and over again because mm-hmm. the new normal is having, um, you know, 88, 86 to 88% of all of our medical spending going after chronic diseases. Which okay. are created, uh, at least in part, by those childhood injections. And I'm not even getting into the mRNA technology, which is so far from a traditional vaccination in terms of definition. But again, they, they change it when they want they vote on a new definition and then you assume it's the same one it's like as bad as the tax code is think about how the nih conducts studies here uh and these are government controlled at least uh, for a large part of our last decades by anthony fauci through niaid in terms of where the grants would go and now they got another lackey to replace him that comes from the same failed paradigm of belief in a lot of nonsense uh what legitimate scientific argument can be made for altering the definition of a placebo there is no legitimate scientific argument to do that. A placebo is inert. It's supposed to be something that will, you know, when you, when you blind a study and I take a placebo pill or I receive a placebo injection, it should not change me from before the study and after the study. Any effect that would be associated with that may be a psychological effect or another type of physiological effect that is associated with me thinking that I'm getting some type of therapeutic. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's called blinding, but, but it is, it is completely absurd when you, when you're, say you're testing for Gardasil 9, you know, which is the new version of the HPV vaccine from Merck and their placebo control is Gardasil 4. Yeah. It's the old Gardasil vaccine. And so, you know, it makes absolutely no sense because it is not a true placebo control and it is one of the least scientific things I've ever seen people pull in my entire career, but you can get rid of it because vaccines are magic. Yeah, exactly. Wave a magic wand. You'd be a lot better off actually. Uh, Folks, we got a lot more to discuss with Dr. Professor Brian Hooker, my good buddy, vax dash unvax, let the science speak by Robert Kennedy and Brian. And it's available for pre-order. It's coming out in about seven or eight days. It's go ahead and put your order in. We'll be back after this brief break on our friends uh, that carry us on TV, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show after this. Okay, TV takes a break, but we continue on for the next couple of okay. minutes. Wonderful. Uh, for the audience that's watching us on, the, on my website and the various er- other areas where we're not banned, Brian, you are bringing it even in the empty, echoey chamber that you're in. I love it. You know, um, I, I had sort of a gap year between I, I was laid off from the uh, Department of Energy Laboratory where I worked. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I had then there was sort of 15 months where I, I was not gainfully employed. And the only job I could find was teaching in the prison system, teaching college wow. in the prison system. And this harkens back to this. Yes, that's so what it feels like. It's, it's very Spartan. You know, I feel like maybe I should be wearing a shock collar or something <laughs> on, around my ankle. Um, but uh, no, it's it, um, 
in, anyhow, I, I can't wait to unpack and get some stuff, you know, on the walls. Yeah. Like that. I'm, I'm going a little stir crazy here. Well, or I'm, being a song like you. I'm thrilled that you're not persona non grata at the university where you've been for a long time and that they appreciate you. And They're again, amazing. all the things that you've said and investigated, you've proven to be correct. So it's not like you have anything to go, Oh, I messed that up. You know, it's like, dude, you were right. Even though everybody else thought you were wrong there because you were coming out of a, an area where you weren't basically falling prey to the authoritarians within science. Right. We need to be able to have absolutes in society you know, we have such scientific relativism and COVID-19 was such an example of, oh, we'll move the target. You know, oh, we can say that it prevents transmission, even though we know that it doesn't prevent transmission. And then we'll tell everybody after everybody gets vaccinated, then we can tell them our little white lie. OK, and everybody gets myocarditis or they end up throwing a clot and having a heart attack or having a stroke. You know, no blood, no foul. You know, we'll go ahead and lie. Just amazing. Uh, when we come back, I'll, I'm going to follow up on the uh, um, changing the definition of placebo and all of that, the reason, the purpose for it. Maybe speculation on my part, but I don't think it's speculation. We'll get into that. Super Don might join us as well. I think he he rather enjoys you, and I know you like Super Don, so we'll hear from I'd him in this next Super segment. As well. yes. my, so, in my neighbor to the north. All right, stand by. Three, two, one. All right, we're back at it here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Home Stretch with Professor Dr. Brian Hooker, his new book with Bobby Kennedy, Vax Unvax. Let the science speak. Look at him. He's got the punch. In. I got to get you into the gym, buddy. I got the, the technique. Got to work on that. Uh, but no, yeah, throw those punches because they've been throwing them at you for being right, for being correct. Why would they do that? We'll get into that now. And, uh, you know, Super Don, I got a question for you because the idea of, and, and Super D is this, skeptical as they come but i say that in a healthy way not in an unhealthy way because skepticism that is done in terms lowercase of s lowercase s, s right s, there's a religion of skepticism that rejects anything that doesn't fit into a preconceived box so to speak and science is all about as we know questioning challenging arguing communicating debating all of that it's not just what happens in the lab right if you have a proper placebo controlled study it's more than that and you've been to many conferences and you presented at conferences as well, Brian. It, it, you're not shying away if somebody challenges you. You're like, oh, you're anti-science for challenging. I mean, right. that's the difference, I think, with, you know, the Fauci's, the Hotezes and the Office of the World Superdome that we've had to engage in, unfortunately, over the years is that they have somehow <laughs> communicated to the world that being skeptical means um Maybe the opposite of what it is. I, it's yeah, just, the David Gorskys and the Stephen Novellas, right, is, is more like it. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, very, very anti-science. Uh, That's the irony. And, yeah, and, and, and I would. And I would it's sort of Yeah, it's part of a cult. And, and and Brian, was I talking? And I bring Super Don into this too because I know he's not a trained scientist, but he's got a very clear, critically thinking mind, which is the basis of good science. Uh, and, and when you say. I asked you the question about changing the definition of placebo. Is there a scientific reason to do that? And I said, no, 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 this is a political and economic reason, among other things we might be able to add into the mix, that if you alter definitions in a way that they're, you can no longer grasp objective truths, even though as we find facts and we test those facts, we come up with ideas and maybe we've postulated that they mean this. We test it out and go, oh, I guess we didn't mean that. Or we think it does for 10, 20 years. And then somebody comes along with an experiment and design that disproves what we thought was already 
true and accurate, correct. And again, this is where Super Don, you love saying they claim science is self-correcting. It's like, no, it's not. It's about science is never wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Back in the day, I've told this story and I'll make it short. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was years ago. And uh, when I was still, we were were still at the network and I was still fairly new, you know, working with you. I'd maybe been a year, maybe or so. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even know how it came up, but but you were like somehow the t- the the subject of something about David Gorski came up, and you and you were like, oh well, we no, we don't engage with this, that guy. No, we just we just leave that guy alone. We don't want to even get involved. We don't engage. We don't, uh, well, you don't tell me something like that. I mean, you know, it's like don't engage. That yeah. it's like okay, why not? Why can't yeah. I engage with David Gorski? Who's David Gorski? I'd never heard of him before. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked him up, and I'm like. Okay. Yeah, I watched some videos of him giving presentations, being a douche, you know, about about you know, uh, 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 you know, natural remedies and stuff like that. He was giving some you know thing, whatever. And it's like I I probably spent maybe I don't know a week like really looking into the guy, and I came back to you, and I'm like, why are you guys not engaging with David Gorsky? He's just a guy, you know. I mean, he's just a, you know, and and I kind of think I understand how this guy thinks. Mm-hmm. Uh. Because you know, I used to be a douche too, until <laughs> until I until I, I realized that that's not what you want to do in life. Yeah. Um, and that, so, isn't that the point of why we didn't want to engage at a certain point? Because you couldn't have a rational discussion with these yeah, people. Yeah. Well, you could, but the thing is, you could if you knew their kung fu. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And so, exhausting. and I was a little familiar with that. So, yeah. in any case. Uh, when I was looking into, you know, like how, what they, how they think and, and all their rules and the logical fallacies and so like that, I came across this fallacy called a fallacy fallacy. And I was like, what is a, a fallacy fallacy? And it's like, well, you know, if you, if you commit a fallacy, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong. And I'm like, but wait a minute. I thought that that's what you, you, you beat people over the head with the fallacy stick to try and prove them wrong and that you're yeah. right because you're a douche, right? Right. I know I keep using that word for whatever it's reason. Appropriate. It's the word of the day, like on Pee Wee Herman, right? It's, it's, look, it's, it's so, a g- genteel version of what we're trying to communicate. Okay. Yes. I mean, it's, yes. That's the, the PG 13 version. So, long story short, um, I came across in this thing where it was like, science is, is never wrong. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean science is never wrong? And it's like, well, no, we have a hypothesis and then we put it out there and then we test it. And if it turns out that the hypothesis didn't work out the way we thought it was going to be, well, then we come up with a new hypothesis and then keep going. And it's, so in other words, they're never wrong. It's just, pre, it's, they just create a new hypothesis and keep on going. We're preliminarily right. Yeah. All the time exactly. in, in perpetuity. Now, this is where. And I, I, and I would say just one more thing, yeah. one more comment. Mm-hmm. It was when I saw that, I was just like, oh, now I get it. This is where all, all the all the narcissist D-bags yeah. go. Mm-hmm. They all mm-hmm. want to become scientists, right? Because it's like, hey, look, I can put on the lab coat. I'm never wrong. I'm always right. You know? And when you look at these guys, if you really, if you listen to them and you, re- you read the stuff that they write, they're all narcissists. Oh, Gaslighting oh. narcissists. Not, well, okay, no, no, not all of them. Yeah, not all some of them are sociopaths, which is worse. Thank yes, thank you very much. Um, yes. I'm, I'm the only non-narcissistic. The skeptics. Let me let me correct myself. The skeptics, skeptics is what I'm talking. Right. The skeptic society. Yeah. These right, guys, right. man, they just well, they yeah. love the power because the, once they get in, once they get their degree and they hang it on the wall. 
Now suddenly they've got a blank they're, check in a lot of cases. Yeah, they're humorless robots. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, here's again my litmus. Why do we love Brian Hooker so much? Not only because he's super smart, but he's got a great sense of humor. We laugh together a lot, and that shows the flow of spirit. Again, we come back to that Marxist ideology, which is godless, and many of these science, so-called scientists and skeptics uh, have become atheistic in their worldview. And you have the freedom to do that. I'm not trying to ban people that don't believe in God. That's not my point. But you right, find right. out they're humorless, often narcissistic, and sometimes sociopathic as well because they lack that spiritual connection. That's my opinion. Another opinion, Brian, I wanted to, to get uh, you know, your feedback on. If indeed we maintain the integrity of the you know, the term placebo and actually analyzed what they call vaccines before there was mRNA technology uh, and tested, just as we've seen, the analysis between the those who are vaccinated, those who are not vaccinated, like, you know, my kids, 23 and 18 years old, never been vaccinated, never even had an antibiotic. You begin to see, like Paul Thomas has, has uncovered Neil Miller and you in these studies, uh, a quite a different picture in terms of their uh, general outcome in chronic disease scenario, which they never considered as a factor for testing. It's like when we look at outcome of a vaccine trial, even though it's not tested against placebo, they're only concerned about, hey, does it manifest the thing that we call it, the, the disease, whether it's measles right. or polio or whatever. Even if the oh, symptoms yeah. do manifest afterwards, they redefine the symptoms as something else. Instead of the actual, it's like the same symptoms, but we call it something else to say we've eradicated or the other litmus that they have given over the years for success for vaccination is can we titer? Can we detect an antibody despite the fact that in basic immunology, much less higher levels immunology, we know for a fact that having an antibody is neither necessary nor sufficient to prevent a, any given disease. And the fact that you don't have an antibody doesn't guarantee that you get the so-called disease or manifested. So I come back to the elimination of placebo or the alteration of the definition and no tests against it to say that somewhere, somehow they know that if they did these analyses appropriately with placebo, that very few people would ever voluntarily get a vaccine for themselves or their children. And that paradigm would be squashed almost out of existence. Absolutely correct. You, you know, and and there there's so much uh, misinformation out there. If I can borrow a term, yes. uh, that um, you know, while we can't withhold life-saving vaccines from the control group, we would be injuring children. We would re be ravaging their body with these horrible chickenpox and mumps, and um, you know, diseases that you and I had as children. Um, and and I. I believe we survived, and unless maybe this is all an illusion, but um, you, you know, but yet if you look at the strictest drug placebo control trials, you can have cancer patients that are stage three, stage four. They will not deviate from the placebo control. Yeah, they don't make that same claim. Oh, that would be cruel to do so. It would be uh, withdrawing or withholding life-saving treatment because they don't know. That's why they're doing the test. Exactly. They do not know that this is a life-saving treatment. They have never proved in the case of vaccines that it's truly a life-saving treatment. If you look at historical information, many diseases, especially disease mortality and infectious disease was on the decline prior to the introduction of vaccination during, especially during the 20th century in, with the uptick of, of uh, sanitation techniques and uh, you know, uh, more understanding of things like food microbiology. Um, but you know, so these, 
these claims that they make, you know, I, I have a quote uh, from Paul Offit in the book talking about the unethical nature of withholding life-saving vaccines. And, and he doesn't know. He absolutely doesn't know that these save lives. I mean, you know, they, they are never appropriately tested. And when they are appropriately tested, when you have a true vax versus unvax study, and we devoted the entire second chapter to the, to the vaccination schedule, where we looked at kids that got the entire schedule and kids that didn't get any vaccines whatsoever. And the results are stark. The number of chronic diseases, even the number of infections, especially nonspecific infections, mm -hmm is greatly increased in the vaccinated group. And, and we are taking these vaccines, we're giving so many needle sticks, we're dysregulating the immune system. The immune system doesn't know what's up and what's down mm -hmm. um, because of all the dysregulation. The only part of the immune system that gets studied with vaccines is, did we make that magical antibody? Right, and, and I call that the, the may or may not be neutralizing, may or may yeah. not be effective in, against infectious disease. So we're looking at less than 5% of the immune system and saying that will save us. That magic antibody that is being produced by plasma cells in your blood, it will save us and it will, and, and it will supplant sure. the rest of God's given innate immunity. Right. So I am anti-vaccine or I'm anti-vaxxer and I'm anti-science because I point out that in immunology, what you've just said is exactly accurate. What I've said is accurate, that the antibody is in and of itself neither necessary nor sufficient. So why is the entire uh, movement of vaccinology based on a faulty premise or premise, depending on where you're saying that word from? And, you know, I, I come back around and I talk about modern medicine and the church of pharmaceutical mysticism borrowed from John Rappaport's church of biological mysticism, that the holy grail within that denomination of vaccinology is the vaccine it's well it's the antibody and and how they get there doesn't matter if they harm you injure you or even kill you to get it that's it that hasn't even changed under the mrna injection guidelines no. even though it's producing having your dna uh, synthesized proteins that are abhorrent and toxic and and dangerous yet their whole idea behind it was what that then you would react and stimulate what immune antibodies exactly exactly yeah. And, there's, and it's so flawed on so many different levels. And in COVID-19, they had to lower the bar. These vaccines were so less than effective and less than ineffective that they kept on having to lower the bar. First of all, you know, then they were looking at cohorts to see how many people got sick, how many people got hospitalized, how many people died. Then, you know, when, when that data did not bear out, then they started to look at neutralizing antibodies. Then when neutralizing antibodies didn't bear out, then they just looked at antibodies in general and, you know, looked at antibody titers. And these titers would wane, you know, starting starting two weeks after receiving the vaccine, you would see the antibody titers again, which are less than meaningless, and they would decline and they would continue to decline. So, you know, then, you know, people at Pfizer and Moderna did backflips because that meant that they got to uh, prescribe more boosters because they had, you know, the vaccine junkies were addicted to these yes. vaccines now and they would just line up, you know, roll up their sleeve and get another shot. Exactly. I think the claim that all life would end as we know it ceases, we know it without the vaccine uh, paradigm or schedule uh, is it's it's failing at an ever increasing rate. Because the more they push the lies and deceptions, the more every doctor I talk to now medical, I'm speaking 
at the very least now has some serious and significant questions about not just the COVID injection, but all previous vaccinations. Even if they're not fully there yet, like, you know, I've talked about Peter McCullough transitioning over time. People were mad in this audience. Some of them were like, hey, he's not anti-vaccine yet. I'm like, dude, give him time. If he's if he has integrity and he has a scientific bone in his body, which he does, uh, he'll come around. And as he said, on my look at what they've swallowed already. Look at they've swallowed a horse of lies. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting a small pill of truth. It will take a while for them to to be able to upchuck the lies and get to that right. truth. Finally, vomit it back out and go. Oh, I don't need that, and that's poison exactly. to me in my mind. A while. I mean, yeah. I'm really proud of Peter McCullough. I'm mm-hmm. really proud proud of people like Pierre Corey who have come back and said, "No, you know, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I had no, I had no reason to question this paradigm." But once he had a reason to question one paradigm, yeah. he looked back in the science. And he started listening to other voices. And that's what we all need to be doing. I mean, yeah. when science pummels itself, if you are a scientist and it, you are not getting pummeled by your colleagues, you're not doing your job. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're like Fauci and you get your widow witty bitty feelings hurt because somebody questioned the science and you have to say, well, I am science. And, you know, what kind of psychological garbage is that? Well, that, that is what Super Don's saying. That's a narcissist at that point. And uh, we're dealing with plenty of that, and it's time to break free of that. And, you know, I've talked to many women who have been uh, in relationships with narcissists and how brutal that is, but how easy it is to be manipulated to maintain and stay in it because you feel like, oh, it's your responsibility, it's you, you're the f- fault, or you can change him, that kind of concept. And right. in many ways, people coming back to the science are being beaten like, the, you know, like their their spouse is beating them and they keep coming back thinking, well, he was just drunk that time. He's, he promised he'll never do it again. They keep coming back for more abuse until you go, no, it's it's wrong. The abuser cannot be given accolades anymore, must be called out for what it is. And those of us who want to conduct what we call legitimate sound science using methodologies that have proven time tested over time. And, and that doesn't mean that we can't observe something and have an anecdotal report or reports that kind of contravene or counteract what we thought we knew and we get wait okay there's something that's missing here we would normally want to go delve into those anecdotes and find out is there a confounding are there confounding factors just as we would a scientific study and i'm not even a phd and i could see this well you're extremely <laughs> brilliant and and you you know if if a degree granting institution had not given you a phd you by this point you earned it because you're a critical thinker and you're That's thinking, right. Critical thing. You know, you're 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 looking at something and you're asking yourself, based on the prior knowledge that I have, does this make sense? Is this a new paradigm? If it doesn't make sense based on the prior knowledge I have, why doesn't it make sense? Am I wrong? Is it wrong? And you're and you're engaging in this critical thought process that we all need to engage in, especially with our healthcare decisions. I mm-hmm. fear for the push. For the new boosters, now we have the COVID-19 variant called ERIS, E-R-I-S. I I didn't know that that was a Greek letter, but I I guess, I don't know. Is that a Greek letter? Um, But it's something, but it's the new variant of COVID. And now they're going to roll out um, actually a booster that has nothing to do with ERIS. It it was previous versions of uh, COVID-19 spike protein genetic code that they were Mm -hmm. just going to gen up. And they'll give it to us and they're going to give us a big push. And the the new CDC director, Mandy Collin, is pushing it. The Biden administration is pushing it. And it's going to be all the rage starting in 
September. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot that they would like to be able to do to lock us back down, to have us living in fear, divide us, separate us, conquer us, have us shut shut down to not communicate with one another. Because by communicating with one another, what they call misinformation, uh, it actually causes people to see a reality that they don't want us to see, that which is not uh, constrained by their authoritarian ways. And so we must uh, resist or do not comply, nullify, if you will, all of their efforts and live as if you are free, even if you don't believe you are, because many of us uh, you know, found out we were trapped into contracts of adhesion we didn't even know existed. So this Correct. is part of our growing up. And I say this spiritually, too, Brian. Um, many of the people of faith lost their way and started believing the lies of, uh, you know, a, a secular uh, uh not even scientific uh, proclamation, because as we pointed out, it didn't follow the rules of what we call sound scientific practice, principle, and investigation. And so many of the church leaders, synagogue leaders, and other mosque leaders, not all, but certainly a lot of them had influence, used that influence, and took some money to do so. Conflicts of interest abound. In, and that's in, not only in the sciences, but as we talked about, the PR firms that were hired and then people that use those same PR firms uh, wanting to delicense physicians who questioned uh, anything about uh, the WHO and or the CDC, which is why we got banned on YouTube and Spotify and LinkedIn. And we've we've been correct the entire time. I, I don't have to rescind anything and go, oh, sorry, I got that wrong. We're, we've been pretty good track record. You are owed an apology. You are owed <laughs> an apology for being deplatformed and, and, and decommissioned from, um, you know, these different, these different social media sites. It is... It's, it's preposterous. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I want to highlight, can I, can I go on a little bit of a tangent for a second, um, is the new frontier in uh, vaccinology and, and the church of vaccinology is the pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen that with the approval of the RSV vaccine by the FDA. It has not been officially considered by ASIP. But I would imagine that we'll pass ASIP the next time that ASIP meets, which is sometime in September. Um, but the RSV vaccine, then if it's given prenatally, then it will somehow give the neonate protection after it's born so it won't get RSV. Respiratory syncytial virus, which, by the way, is a virus that escaped from the laboratory through the development of the original polio shot. Okay, so we created a virus by making a vaccine, and now we're creating another vaccine to get rid of the virus that we created by making a vaccine. So we're perpetually chasing our tail, but but pregnant women now are getting five, six different jabs during gestation. During gestation. You know, that was verboten before 2000. You did not vaccinate a pregnant woman. You did not vaccinate a pregnant woman. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, uh, you know, the miscarriage rates did go up. The um, stillbirths did go up. The uh, fertility parameters uh, and fertility problems, especially with the advent of the COVID-19 vaccine, are now through the roof. And, you know, it, it belies an agenda that really, really does not give a rip about human life. They, you know, these people are are not conspiring for your best uh, intent and for your best outcome. They're conspiring for some type of public health pie in the sky or whatever it is 
you know, and, and you can insert your favorite conspiracy theory here, whether it's population control or whatever, but there, there are some insidious forces out there that mm. want you to get vaccinated and they do not have your good in mind. No, not at all. Not at all. And that's not, uh, you know, at all, let's say a stretch, you know, when you say, well, it's a little bit, you can't say that. Well, yeah, it's clear at this point. Now, how far you want to go with it? Of course, that can always be discussed and debated. Now, I I have questions of the day coming up. I want to let everybody know I'm going to do those in the bonus round. One is related to thyroid nodules, health issues, and another is related to uh, dosing guidelines for the you know supplements that I that are food basically that I use and recommend here. I have some good questions coming in. So both for Joan and Brian, a different Brian who asked those questions, we'll get to that in the uh, the bonus round. We've got a few minutes left before we wrap up, and I want to shift gears. But first and foremost, tell everybody please order that book, pre-order Vax uh, a hyphen Unvax, Let the Science Speak by Robert F Kennedy Jr. and Brian Hooker, PhD, forward by Dell Bigtree. Uh, go ahead and place those orders in and get those those first prints done and. Are you going to be at any events where people can get the book signed when they get it? Absolutely. There's an event. Uh, if you're in the Kansas City area this coming weekend, um, it's called, uh, gosh, I think it's called the Health Freedom Revival mm-hmm. uh, in Kansas City. It's put on, um, oh, I should know these things. They should be on the tip of my tongue. I know one of the sponsors is CHD Kansas. Okay. Uh, can you tell us the website at least so people can find it? Uh, too much to ask. I'll get a bonus it round. Is, it's okay. It is too much to ask. I, I will. I will. I will give it to you as soon as we log off, so you can put it in the bonus round or maybe in the show okay. notes. That would be um, great. Also, the Children's Health Defense Conference. If you go to childrenshealthdefense.org and just click on conference, uh, is in Savannah, Georgia, this year, November third through November fifth. Uh, it's going to be a great shindig. Um, I'll be signing the book. Bobby will be signing the book. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be available there. Of course, Trinity Health Freedom Expo. I cannot wait to see my good friend, Robert Scott Bell, October 13th through 15th. Uh, and we will be selling the book there and I'll be signing copies awesome. of the book as well. Now, so. next next question. Uh, if Foreigner comes to your town, will you go see them in concert? <laughs> Not a big Foreigner fan? Is that what I'm hearing? I'm not a fan of that genre in general. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, I, 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 I bring it up because I brought the kids. It's the farewell tour foreigner and lover boy was there and they were so oh, good. Lover boy, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. But lover boy didn't age well. Foreigner. Unbelievable. How good they were. Really? Yeah. Really good. And then, yeah, uh, interesting. I, I kind of, I kind of picked up right when new wave started. <laughs> okay. So were you a fan of the cars? I love the cars. Love yeah. the cars. Still listen to the cars. I, I the heard cars. Depeche Mode is touring again. That is true. Depeche oh, Mode is on tour. That's a blast from the past. See, I yeah, see. There yeah, my wife brought that up and shook her head. I can't believe Depeche Mode is still around. That's right. Uh, also, they're not uh, playing. They're not playing county fairs yet. No, <laughs> they, they don't look good. They don't look as, as as young and nubile as they looked before. But well, yes. and, and I will say this about the foreigner concert: I was happy that I could take the kids to it, but I wasn't personally going, Oh, I can't wait to see it. I was very blown away. In fact, impressed with how good they were that in concert. I'll say, I'll say that. So if you're on the fence on it, you'll have a good time. Uh, also, uh, going to see Kansas again with the kids. We saw them last summer. They're back. Oh my goodness. And they are so much fun, such a great group to, and they're still going strong after all these years. So, um, anyway, I love to bring up the musical side of our, uh, uh, discussions, lighten it up a bit because it's intense. What's going on, Brian, and you're doing amazing work. Well, thank you so much. And I, I appreciate it. Um, 
you know, party at my house and I've got the B-52 soundtrack and, <laughs> okay. and Devo. And Devo. If you and want Devo. To got a little REM happening too, maybe? I'm sorry? A little REM as well? REM, uh, okay. Madness, uh, you, uh, the Boomtown Rats, you got it. You know, just All right, Bob Geldof and the Boomtown Rats, tell me why I don't like Mondays. All right, we got to go. We'll be back bonus round after this because <laughs> the power to heal is yours. Thank you, Brian. Dude, it's always so much fun having Brian Hooker on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Of course, I learned something new today. He's a, he's a fan of New Wave. <laughs> that, that was also, yeah. I was thinking that, too. I didn't know that about like, Ryan Hooker. I'm like, New Wave? Dude. I came on right about the time of New Wave. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> I haven't thought about New Wave in a while. But, Dude, I mean, that I, was part of our, part of our, our yeah. well, you're, you're a couple of years older than I am. But well, who is, you were you still know, right there in, in New Wave. New Wave. I mean, like, who was included in that? I well, that's why I brought cars, up Depeche right? Mode, because Depeche they would have. got you, yeah. There were a lot of new wave groups that they yeah. bled over into the top 40, but I mean, it was part of the top 40, but well, he, well, as a genre by itself, um, what yeah, you, did, it, it was like all the, the kind of the, I don't know, new wave was like, like the beginning of like, uh, it was before goth came, became a thing, you know? Yeah. Did he mention the B-52s or no? I, I yeah. Remember well, yeah, he did. He did. He did. He, no. He's the one that brought up the B-52s and you said yeah. R.E.M. Yes, they were all associated yeah. uh, out of Athens, Georgia at the time. I was, yeah. you know, in, in my school days. So that was fun. But yeah, serious, too. I mean, that book is great. And, you know, if the science were enough, it would have been over a long time ago, this whole discussion and debate on, on vaccines, because they haven't done it. Yeah, you know, but Robert, it's not about, it's, you know, the thing is, is, is it's who, who gets to choose the science, you know? They have their science, and other people have their science, and so. But Super D, remember what we're talking about here, uh, and I get what you're saying, yeah. but it's like, okay, do you have placebo-controlled stuff? Oh, I understand. But that outside of that, if you took the vaccine part of it out, yeah, and I get that, mm -hmm. and now we're talking about all the other nine million sure. billion things, you know. Yeah, then you always get it a is. discussion it's, debate. It's my science or your science. But your I'm, science I'm, is bad science. My science is good science. I'm just you know? saying on this specific issue. Yeah, it would be done. I mean, like, okay, until you do those studies, you guys don't have a leg to stand on. You're making, you know, what you're. What do they say? You're something, something that checks you can't cash. You're writing checks you can't cash. Something yes. like that. Uh, that's the point of this discussion, and it's it's very specific to this because I agree. You're always going to have scientific discussion debate about this is better than this. But I'm just saying, in the absence of the gold standard, which Brian brought up another great point. That even when you're talking about stage three cancer trial, you know, people that are in stage three cancer, they're not saying, well, we ha we can't do placebo controlled studies because that would be mean because what if this drug would benefit them, right? They don't do that then. So the legitimacy of saying we can't do it here is nonsense. And especially with the best they can do, the cohort retroactive or retrospectives on, all right, let's look at the health outcomes of children who are fully vaxxed, partially vaxxed, and not vaxxed at all, and see the difference in health outcomes. Okay, you might say, well, that wasn't placebo controlled either, but it's a basis of a sound, you know, meta analysis of, uh, you know, analyzing, again, data over many years, which still has scientific legitimacy. Yep. If you want to come back and do another study like that and show it's not right, good. Fine, but that's not what they're doing because every study that looks at the vax versus the not vaxed ends up with the same conclusion that the vaxed children, if they're still alive, are not healthier than those who were not vaccinated. 
So that's where I say this discussion is a little bit different because of the lack of, again, the gold standard that they claim. Well, you know, it's not gold standard because you 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 can't do that kind of test, which is bull snot, as right. you know. So there you go. Art Kaplan would like to disagree with you. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Kaplan can kiss. Well, <laughs> kiss my Kaplan. Yeah. Right. All right. So here is the uh, the event that uh, Brian Freedom was talking Revival about. Freedom Revival in the Heartland. That looks like a great event. So that's happening. Kansas. When August twenty fifth and twenty sixth. Ol- yep. Olathe, Kansas. I don't know even where that is. Polly, Tommy, Ernest Ramirez, uh, John Little, Doctor John Little, Ryan Hooker, Jim Meehan, Mary Holland. Great people there. And Ernest uh, Ramirez. We had him on the show. Yeah. Ernest and his son, he lost Ernesto. So um, good people that are there. So if you can get to uh, Kansas for that event, that'd be amazing. Also, while you guys were talking, I got a notification notification on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Apparently, um, our buddy uh, Michael Michael Bolden Bolden is listening. He quoted you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Bolden quoted you. I used to be a douche to dot, dot, dot. It's Super Don. And you, you replied to him, didn't you? I did. I said it's a true it's story. A true story. But and uh, uh, Bolden says, same here, brother. That absolutely cracked me up today. <laughs> See? Who's the funny guy? You're trying to out-funny me? Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. That's awesome. I hope everybody found it funny because it's great. But the accuracy and the truth of it is what makes it so funny. When you come out of it and look back and go, yep, I was one of those. No? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it's liberating in a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway. <sighs> All right. Well, we got some uh, questions of the day that I want to fit in as well. Um, have we officially added some folks for this week? I think we got James Lyons Weiler scheduled Thursday. Thursday show, second hour? That's what you sent me. It was thir- okay. You said Thursday. I hope I'm right about that. I think that's what he <laughs> <laughs> It was not one of the days that we had talked about pre uh, showtime. Yeah. So Thursday, just, yeah, that's what he said. So okay, if it's that's available, good. It works second out. Second hour Thursday. Yep, totally uh, works could out. Could we have Brad on as well? Yeah, of course. Sure. Yes. So why not? Get that. All right. So uh, Jack, Doctor Jack from IPAC-EDU.org. Appreciate you so much. All that you're doing, scientific integrity, and we got a lot to talk about, dude. Lots of fun, good stuff. Good stuff uh, happening here. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, see tomorrow, Eli Love, Victor, Victor Avila. Tomorrow show, we got Sheila home on uh, Wednesday. It looks like, and let's see. Then James Lyonsweiler on Thursday, along with Jonathan Emord, and we're we're looking to do an on online, if you will, kind of a little mini telethon for Jonathan Emord coming up. And I want to have, it, have you see. have you heard from Mike on that? I, I did. I messaged Mike Adams on it. He said he'd be happy to help us support it and all of that as much as he's so busy to do it. Um, but let me just see where did it end up here? We were looking at a date. And I want to throw it out there just for people to, to, to kind of plug into. It would be cool like, is if um, we could get, we could get the guys over Brighty on to help us out with that. Yeah, I know. Well, that's right? one of the things is we, if we agree on the date and I'm looking like September 18th that we would, and I think it might be a Monday. I'm going to check right now. Going in the calendar, September 18th is a Monday. Um, that's uh, the 18th. And that we would turn our show over and bonus time over to do like an uh, online telethon in support of Jonathan E. Moore and his candidacy. 
and that Mike Adams would participate in that as well. And there might be uh, as well a, a, a public event the next day, but we'll talk about that. So, what date did you say? The eighteenth. Right now we of have September? my buddy. Yeah, of September. We have my buddy Jared St. Clair scheduled for the second hour. We might have to bump him and put him on a different date, but we can work on that. Uh, so anyway, tentatively okay. speaking, let's uh, look at that. You may we'll put that it. on the calendar. Yeah, and and we know at least that second hour is going to simulcast regardless on Brideon, so that doesn't change anything. So that helps us reach folks. But with Mike Adams' help, we might even be able to reach farther into the uh, uh, those who support health, freedom, and healing liberty. So tentative telethon for Jonathan Emord. Yeah, and we could host it, and then maybe they could simulcast it. Mike could do that. That'll take the burden off of Mike with, again, he's got some people that are not there. I don't know what's going on, but it's busy as can be for him. So anyway, we're just planning some stuff out in the bonus round, and y'all get the inside story. The only people that get more inside than that are those that are part of our patron family. Uh, and we have our Zoom AMAs once a month. And it looks like our next Zoom AMA is coming up really quickly here. Uh, this coming Saturday. Saturday, the 26th of August. It'll be noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time, daytime Zoom AMA. And I need to put the, the uh, invite out so we can get it up for our patron supporters. And uh, we have a great time and lots of fun giveaways. Super Don, you're still trying to get the... Uh, the people who participated and won the contest of yeah, uh, I, I, listen, I, it's it's just on it's on my list. I took care of, of a part of my list. I've got banners for IPAC and for RNC store on the website now. Yay! These Yay. are good. Very important. Yes, yeah. I tied my shoes today too. I had to check that <laughs> off the list, and yeah. I will get to that. Um, okay, I promise. Well, as long as the people aren't complaining, we're okay because uh, we're going to have. And well, you know what I've said a few times that if you yeah. happen to be one of the winners. Where is it? Where's my list here? If you happen to be Chris from Lordis mm. and Chris, yeah, uh, Thomas who was caller yeah. number four, yeah, uh, or Erica who was caller number ten, who not only got the apricots but's going to get a bonus prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have the names for eleven, thirteen, and fourteen, which were the other winners. But if if you were listening, you know, I can't yeah. imagine if you if you were like playing this contest mm-hmm. where you called in because uh, you really wanted to win a prize and you. That you didn't listen on the day that we drew the numbers. Yeah. It's like, you don't even know if you won. Or... Well, and Michael Bolden was there that day. We had a great time with yeah. him on the show. So anyway, if you yeah. if you happen to be one of those people. Leslie or... is on the list, too. She's already gotten hers, and they ate them that quickly. Yeah, she's on a different list, though. Oh, it's a different list? We're talking about the spinning the wheel list. Oh, gotcha. Not yeah, the yeah. people that at the AMA. But yeah, but I think we sent out all the Because you already winners. got the AMA people. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard from Ula and Laura about their delicious experiences yet. Uh, eating yeah. the uh, RSB show apricots, dried apricots. So here's another question. Uh, mm-hmm. If you guys happen to be on Instagram, uh, have you noticed a change recently on Robert's uh, Instagram page, on the who, show Instagram Who does page? Instagram in this audience? Anybody? 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 We're looking Anybody? for feedback. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, I think. Uh, it's pretty wild what's happened. I can't Your Instagram suddenly has come to life, and it's just like, kaboom. Yeah. It's got all this really cool stuff that uh, is being done with it. So if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go check it out. Tell me yeah, what you ask think. Ask RSB on Instagram. And that's the new handle up for us on Twitter, too, or X. It's Ask RSB. Uh, so join us there. And it's still the RSB show on, on uh, Facebook. I don't think we could change anything. All right. Now, at the beginning of the show, you, you made a mention about Substack. Yes. Yes. And so, yes, we do have a Substack. I'm still kind of 
feeling it out. What is the uh, code to get there, or whatever it's called? You know, you have a Substack. I'm name. going to uh, I'm going to put a link on our website here soon. Okay. But let me see. How do I find that? I say again. I'm still kind of figuring this out. All right. So it's Substack.com/slash at RSB Show. Got it. And so taking a stab at doing some creative writing here mm-hmm. on news of the day. And yeah. um, I, I was putting them on the website as well, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, going to go so that the website stays the way it is with the okay. uh, with the the show notes, okay, and the creative articles over on our Substack. Um, so it is cool. the Robert Scott Bell Show mm-hmm. at RSB Show on Substack. At RSB Show, yeah. so, uh, Super D. I just noticed, uh, you know, we have little dinky like images for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on the website, robertscottbell.com. And the Twitter one still goes to at RSBell Media, which doesn't work anymore because we switched it to at. It's just at. a reminder when you go there. It, it says this, this. No, but uh, I'm saying if people click on it and they won't, go, they won't go to our Twitter. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. At the very top of the page. That's right. Yeah. I think I think we were temporarily banned on Twitter and then we weren't. Yeah. So watch, listen. Let me look here. Fire that webmaster. No, but it's way up top of the page. Top, 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 top. The little logos for those three uh, social media things. You see? Oh. That. So the Twitter one doesn't go to the right place, so people won't. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Dude, other two are fine. I forgot that was even there. I know. I know. It's like, how do you remember all this stuff? I, I just have to I got to figure out how it. to change that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I don't think I set that up. No, probably not. That was somebody else. I know. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> folks, we are going to be... I think changing hosts as well for this. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and a big part of it is your support and the support of good companies and services that like and love and appreciate this message of health, freedom and healing Liberty and frivolity and funny as well as serious, all of the above. And we infuse the show in that without IVs. If you're into IVs, that's your thing. It's okay, but we don't need them. Uh, By the way, shout out to my new friend who does IVs. She was at the gym again this morning. And she's like, oh, I like your uh, I like your show. Like a few days ago, I ran into her. I think it was on Friday. She was doing IVs at the gym of like B, B vitamins, things like that. But cool nurse. And I, I tried to connect her with uh, Kimberly Overton and the Nurse Freedom Network as well, because that's a, a larger group of nurses that are doing good work now, trying to expand and help support them in what they know to do, but do it better and safely. We do have, uh, let's see, questions today we're going to get to. There's also the Healing for the Ages event. Use VIP promo code BELL for $10 off. I mentioned as well, uh, so so much going on. There's a tab that you can go to if you're not sure of discount codes or or links to any of the things, including Cardio Miracle and Sovereign Silver and Sovereign Copper and all those things. All of those things are listed on the website at robertscottbell.com. And Super Don has put out the uh, chapter from Unlock the Power to Heal, and we're going to expand that. That's what we're working on now, expanding the details that I've gotten a lot more over the years, uh, and we're going to make it available somehow. I don't know how yet. It is, an e-book. A, it is an e-book, a multi-page yeah. e-book that goes into much greater detail and explanation about uh, uh, using silver and aloe. Yes. And the silver things, aloe protocol. Yeah. I'm going to work on tweaking that, too. So. Right. Yeah. Coming soon, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. So shall we do QOTD? Uh, sure. Do we? We'll just we'll just we'll just do it. 
boring. We're in, we're in bonus time. Okay, we don't need matter. We don't need all the bells and whistles. First question of the day from Joan. Thank you, Robert, for all of your valuable information. Didn't you mean to say misinformation because we disagree with the uh, CDC? Be that as it may. We'll carry on. I'm a newbie to this site, so if I ask too many questions, please let me know. No, Joan, the only problem is people that don't ask any questions at all. Y'all are all in trouble. Start asking questions. <laughs> That's right. She says, I did order your book with Ty Bollinger, Unlock the Power to Heal. I hope it answers some of my questions. She says, I have a thyroid nodule, which was discovered a few years ago. I'm taking some natural items, but would like to come off Armour Thyroid for a complete natural protocol. Do you have any suggestions? Thank you, Joan. Now, my first suggestion is to reach out to Roseanne Lindsay because she's one of the best in, in terms of naturopathy traditional naturopathy in thyroid issues. She's had to overcome a lot herself. And her website is called natureofhealing.org, natureofhealing.org. She wrote a big book on it as well. And I would suggest you reach out to her or read what she's written, and you'll get a lot of insight into things you can do. Briefly, of course, for the thyroid, we have uh, the, the two most critical minerals, if you will, is uh, our selenium and iodine. Oftentimes, Iodine is the only thing promoted, and it's overlooking that it needs selenium for full engagement for all the benefits therein. Now, if there's a nodule, I you know I look at uh, a few possibilities or options as to why you'd have a nodule, hard tissue developing, maybe calcification, etc. And there could be, of course, mineral imbalances. There could be toxicological burdens. Uh, res, uh, let's say establishing itself within the thyroid tissue. The body's trying to wall it off that, you know, sometimes they call that a, a benign tumor even, but I'm not saying that's what it is here when you have this hard tissue. I've often more recently talked about too much zinc and not enough copper manifesting in real strange, let's say, regenerative events in the body. Let's say there's been a stress or a, uh, a threat or uh, an insult to the thyroid and you need some regeneration due to inflammation of the thyroid. And if you have too much zinc and not enough copper, you can have aberrant tissue develop. And so making sure you get enough copper is also a benefit to all kinds of regenerative events and also systemic inflammation, anywhere inflammation may occur in the body. So looking into the sovereign copper. Now, she talks about armor thyroid, which was the transition for a lot of people that were on Synthroid that wanted to go natural. Um, my wife uses, and she was destroyed. Her thyroid was just miserably, utterly destroyed by modern medicine and vaccines and mercury all her young life. And uh, we've worked hard to transition her away from those things. She was on heavy thyroid medication, it was not far from her having her thyroid radiated, basically destroyed, which would not make a healthy, happy life. We probably wouldn't have kids if that were to happen when we were, you know, dating when we first met. And she went all organic, uh, began to detoxify her body with all the things we did homeopathically, uh, began to do the herbal medicines as well, the supplements, the minerals, etc., and counteracted a lot of it. There's still a lot of history there and a lot of patterns that were deeply embedded from childhood that are not easy to address. But she's utilizing Thyrovans, T-H-Y-R-O-V-A-N-S, I believe it is, or V-A-N-Z, maybe, Thyrovans, which is another but uh, kind of a, uh, let's say, a natural form that they actually have done the math to show you if you're on so many grains of, you use this much of that product. So Thyrovans, T-H-Y-R-O-V-A-N-Z, I believe. And they're not a sponsor or anything, but I just wanted to let you know, Joan, you asked the question. Uh, you can look into that as well. There are homeopathic remedies that address the thyroid. Two of the most common are iodum, which is homeopathic iodine, and thyroidinum, which is a glandular, if you will, made from thyroid that can be utilized as well to normalize and optimize function. If there are other things, as I said, reach out to Roseanne Lindsay, naturopath, 
natureofhealing.org. All right, that's what I want to say about that, Joan, for now. And you can do a follow-up. You can keep asking questions. I don't mind because if you have that question, many other people do too. So it's helpful. So thank you for asking. All right, Brian's got a question now. Uh, Let's transition to that. Hi, Robert. I saw you at the Red Pill Expo streaming. So watched it live streaming. Thank you for supporting G. Edward Griffin and Red Pill University for doing that. You talked, among other things, about the benefits of the silver aloe combination, folium PX, copper, nitric oxide, and fasting with Cardio Miracle. Uh, I want to order some for myself. I engage in lots of physical activity and family and friends. Should everyone be taking different doses based on age, size, and activity levels? Thanks, Brian. Well, it's a broad, big question, and the answer is yes, but no. <laughs> for typical adults, you can say we can tie into basically uh, similar levels, and I'll go through those really quickly here uh, for you. And, you know, the one thing I'm going to add into the mix here that I didn't have time to, I just, you know, in the time frame I had, the thing that makes it all go for me is the molecular hydrogen water, the echo water. Think about it. When I'm utilizing uh, at home, particularly like my Cardio Miracle when I start the day, it's mixed into Echo Water. And we have banners and links to the Echo Water uh, from Echo Technologies and my buddy Paul Bertero. He'll be also at the Biomed Expo. I'm trying to get him. Maybe he can come down to the uh, the Cancer Control Society event as well, Labor Day weekend down in Glendale, LA, uh, to see you there. But that is critical from a hydration perspective and also an antioxidant perspective to make your Water supercharged in terms of its integrity to dissolve H2, molecular hydrogen in it. Now, as far as silver aloe combination, the typical adult will do an ounce of silver with an ounce of aloe, and you can do more aloe uh, at a time because it's the carrier agent to get the silver past the stomach into the gut for all its benefits. But typically an ounce and an ounce, three times a day on an empty stomach, as little as two weeks, as much as four, six, or eight weeks for more, uh, let's say, challenging circumstances. I'm going to just say that subtly right now. Uh, whereas if you're, let's say, a smaller adult, um, you know, under 120 pounds, under 100 pounds, you might go with three quarters of a, a of a, an ounce or even uh, a half an ounce, you know, depending. Again, to that degree, how much surface area has to be covered if you're a larger adult versus a smaller adult or Maybe you're uh, transitioning from childhood to adulthood. And, you know, you can you can titrate down in terms of quantitatively. Now, none of these things are dangerous or harmful to utilize, even if you went full on. But it's wasteful if you don't need that much. You want to save a little bit of money and just use what you need and nothing more. So that's a little bit of the answer to that. Now, when we talk about the folium PX, uh, depending on the severity of the starting circumstances, let's say you were exposed to Chernobyl-level radiation, I might want to do three capsules three times a day and you know i think we'll get bobry on maybe again this week with frank Custino. Uh, just one last push for you guys to come to the uh, cancer control society event maybe we'll talk about that the extreme circumstances whereas someone that's just starting out maybe they have a heavy heavy metal burden but it's not too extreme as far as you know uh, you know doing one capsule three times a day might be enough and then somewhere in between two capsules three times a day to get started uh, for heavy metals and or uh, ionizing radiation exposure to, yes, things that are also considered heavy metals. They just have a radiation uh, emission, if you will, that can be much more dangerous. So in that way, yeah, you might modify the quantity that you take. In terms of the copper, I've mentioned the sovereign copper many times now, and this is the form that I utilize. I still take um, from grass-fed animals the, the liver, uh, desiccated liver supplements too, if you want. 
which is great, comes with a lot of those minerals, including copper. But I still do at least a tablespoon of the sovereign copper a day. Remember, if you took three tablespoons a day, you've just reached the needs of an average four-year-old of 440, 450 micrograms, according to the RDI. So you're not risking taking too much, even if you did three tablespoons a day, uh, other than Wilson's disease. But even then, they need uh, they need some copper for the metabolic functions that copper provides, or else they're not going to live. So it's not like they can't use copper. It's just they're very sensitive to large quantities. Get it in safe in the copper one, copper two form and sovereign copper. So tablespoon a day for the typical person. But as I said, just to give you perspective, according to the RDI, even if you did three tablespoons a day and you're four years of age, you're not risking toxicity. That's how safe that product is. That's pretty cool. Uh, let's see, what else did you reference? Nitric oxide, that's associated with Cardio Miracle. And I do a table, what, what is it? Uh, the scoop, whatever the scoop is, because it's the right size scoop of that powder. I put it in a glass of the, for me, the echo water, but purified water, whatever, once a day. Now, if I'm on the road, I often will do a second and third dose. And sometimes it's as I have it right there at the booth, you know, and we're just pouring it out. Uh, but it is food, as Judy Mikovit says. So you're not really concerned about taking too much. It's very safe to ingest one, two or three times a day. Now it becomes a budget issue for you. But if you need to front load, do three, three scoops a day with water. Get started that way, taper down to two or one. And for me, one is enough. I'm not dealing with anything major and it's, you know, it's facilitating some amazing and remarkable physical prowess. If we could talk about that in terms of the kickboxing and other things that I can do, helping the heart, the cardiovascular system and a lot more. You mentioned fasting. I think, let me see, excuse me. Yeah, the fasting, because that enhances cellular autophagy, which is what is enhanced via fasting. So it enhances a fast. So taking it once a day is, you know, when I do my, I do a once a week fast for 24 hours. I do it. I still do a dose of the cardio miracle. It's not really a, a, a caloric inflow as much as it is a facilitation of metabolic function, enhancing the fast in that regard. So hopefully that's helpful for you to get started. Brian, if there's more you need to know from that, send more questions, clarify anything I misunderstood or didn't get it deep enough on. So there you go. All right, Super D, what else we got as we're wrapping it up here in the bonus round? Yeah, I don't hear you. I don't have anything on this side. Okay, you're all good? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, There's mom saying yeah. hi, y'all, on Facebook. Hi, mom. Yes, I will shave soon. Don't worry. Please don't tune out just because <laughs> I've got a scruffy face. Razor break or something? I just got just too busy, basically. I get it. Look at but my I, face. I, I said I was joking about it. I was like, I was glad I had a little scruffy face for the Red Pill Exo because all, all the men on stage had beards. I'm like, I can't compete, but man, at least I had something. <laughs> I don't know what that was, if beards are back in or I don't know. I don't normally have one, but anyway. No, but that's okay. I'll shave we it We won't hold it against you. So my friends in L.A. said they got a lot of rain, but not much else. I know there's probably, if you're further inland, there could be like mudslides going on. I haven't seen a lot what's going on with the uh, so-called tropical storm heading up. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're getting not getting anything yet, Super D, because it's kind of coming up the straight up north. Rain? I mean, we've got a little bit of rain yeah. to, uh, going on, but it's, it has nothing to do with the tropical storm. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know that it, it would make it this far. Yeah. It would dissipate long before it got here. I noticed there's a back-to-school special 
for those that you want to um, sponsor or exhibit at the Health Freedom Expo. Did you see this? August 21st through 25th this week. Hold on. Uh, for Trinity. TrinityHealthFreedomExpo.com. Take an additional 50 bucks off on the price of your exhibitor booth or sponsorship package. You go to Trinity Health Freedom Expo, that can be a $100 total discount. You can call 888-658-3976 to, to receive the discount. 888-658-3976. And it's, uh, it's a discount only offered this week. So take advantage of that if you're planning to exhibit. That's for the sponsor. Health Freedom Expo. Correct, yes. Okay. Yeah. I had something different, but the same. Yeah. Oh, different, but the same. Okay. And that Kinley was uh, the Trinity... Back to school special. Take advantage of the back to school special deal. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. So it but included that also, in there. Apparently, I'm looking at what you're putting up, and there are like additional discounts. Yeah, Save see? 20% on lectures on demand. You got How you like me now? I, I right. liked you before. I don't dislike <laughs> you now. Uh, lectures on demand, 20% off. Uh, bonus register for Trinity Live, the all-in, and save an additional 25 bucks. So if you want to do the Trinity Live event, it's going to be awesome. There's your 50 bucks there. There it is. So, yeah, take advantage of that this week, August 21st through 25th. We're going live today, August 21st. So all week that opportunity is yours. Take advantage of it and save a bit. Come into the Health Freedom Expo and tr plug it into uh, the various offerings that uh, trinityschool.org has, Trinity School of Natural Health. There you go. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right, any other questions or comments? How's uh, Rumble doing? Anybody else uh, there that we need to know there about? There was some some chatter earlier on mm -hmm. about the stuff we were talking about. Um, but, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, man. All right, well, I think we covered a lot. I think I got a call in five minutes. I got to talk about some other upcoming events we might be adding to the list soon. Okay. So... Sounds Watch good. This show, James Lyons Weiler, Dr. Jack puts a tweets or exit it out. I don't know what it's called to tweet it out. Is it to exit out? Because that doesn't make sense. If you X something out, you eliminate it. Yeah. If you're on X. So what's the what's the terminology? It, yeah, it's not called a, it. You wouldn't think they would call it a tweet anymore. But right. But what do you call I, it? I don't know. Yeah. So James, uh, thank you for sharing. He says, "Watch this show." Hashtag RSB2023. I'm not running for office though. That's like uh, it does kind of sound like a campaign uh, slogan <laughs> right. or something there. That's funny. And um, if you guys want to check out what IPAC is is packing, Offering, yeah, IPAC is uh, packing. I like that. Yeah, go to the website up at, in the upper right hand corner. Uh, I put a banner up there, mm -hmm. and you can click on that. It'll take you right to the website. You can check out all the cool courses that he's got going on right now. Excellent. And yep. if you want one of those saunas like I got in the back, the far infrared sauna from Relax, use the code RSB and get a hundred bucks off. There's all kinds of great deals going on. Okay. Thank you to Brian Hooker again. Uh, thank you as well to Dr. Uh, Bowden. She was awesome. We got her by phone. I think it was a great interview. Enjoyed yep. her and uh, look forward to being here less than 22 hours from now. God willing. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow.